Good morning and welcome to the John DeVito Show. It is August 21st at 7.50 a.m. And bear with me, I'm going to be a little rusty this morning. I haven't done a podcast in about a month. Just been taking a break. You know, I did, I think it was 105 shows from March till July and uh, just did a lot of shows. And, you know, I really enjoyed it, but I just got burnt out. It was just too much in a short period of time. And then over the months of like June and July, you know, we started the vacation as a family and my kids started playing baseball. So my youngest son, Brandon, plays Little League and he plays AAU. And then my son, Ethan, was playing AAU as well. And then my daughter started softball. So we've literally had probably, I don't even know, like 50 or 60 games in the last two months. So our weekends are consumed with games. And we've had the kids home for summer vacation, and we've gone on a couple of vacations to the beach and up into the mountains and things like that. So, you know, we've been away for a little bit, uh, having a good summer. And honestly, hey, what's up, Onyx? And, you know, I just needed a break from doing podcasts. So, like I said, I did like, I think it was 105 podcasts in the span of like three months. So it, I was burnt out. I was tired. You know, I wasn't really enjoying them too much. Yeah, you know, Onyx just kind of taking a break. I, as I was saying a few seconds ago, I did literally like over 100 podcasts in like three months. I was doing, you know, two, three a day, doing them, you know, at night and whatever. And then I got caught up in some of the drama of of uh, Podbean. And, you know, I didn't want to be a part of that. So I just took a break. But we've been having a great summer. I know Jess. I love Jess. She's, she always comes into my show. Sarah, welcome also. Thanks for coming in. But uh, I'm going to go for a while today. I, I, for, for whatever reason, you know, I was burnt out on podcasts. The last couple of days, I've been kind of feeling like I missed it a little bit. So this is a pop-up show. Didn't have it scheduled. Uh, I've been having trouble with scheduling podcasts. Like, I schedule them. And I think I'm I'm very much a person that, you know, I'm in the in the moment. So I all of a sudden feel like, oh, I really want to do a podcast. So I'll schedule something for tomorrow. But then when tomorrow comes around, I don't feel like doing it. So it's one of those things where I think I'm better. Hey, well, I'm glad you popped in, man, uh, on except and you're working. So, yeah, I hear you, man. Someone's got to run the world. Same thing here. You know, I've been running, trying to run my house, and we just got tough news here in Massachusetts. And I'm going to talk about some of these issues. I got like a bunch of stuff scheduled to talk about today. But our kids, as you know, a lot of you that have listened to my show before, I've got four kids. So one of my kids went back to school already. My oldest, Matt, who has autism, he's back in school. He goes to a small school that specializes in kids on the autism spectrum. But my other three are going to be home until January. Man, you have no idea. I love my kids. They're awesome. But I've been with them every day since March. My job, I work in sales, is remote. So I'm working out of the house. My wife's a doctor. She goes into work every day to fight COVID. But, man, I don't know if I can take my three kids home until January. Oh, it, they're here all day. Now, it's, you know, my daughter isn't bad. I have a 15-year-old daughter, super smart. She gets, like, straight A's in school. And she homeschools because she was bullied relentlessly in middle school. So she's very happy homeschooling through Connections Academy. She gets straight A's. She's super smart, does all the work herself. You know, we don't need to help her. But my younger two boys, they have no interest in doing remote learning. I mean, they want to play video games. They want to go out, you know, ride around the neighborhood in their bikes, whatever. So I literally have to fight with them to do any work whatsoever. So I love them, but I'm ready for them to go back to school. So I don't know. 
But anyway, you know, it, it feels good for me to be back. As I mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, I started this pod bean thing at the beginning of COVID, which was in March. And, you know, I had a a broadcasting degree in college and I never went into broadcasting. I got out of, co- I got out of college and, you know, tried to do it for a couple of months, but I was living with my parents and I kind of had a father that was an asshole, you know, and I could not live with him and I didn't have any money at the time. So I ended up taking a job in sales and, you know, I spent my entire career in sales. So, you know, it's kind of cool that you have this opportunity now where, you know, I can kind of go out and live this dream a little bit by just doing podcasts and kind of doing that whole radio thing that I wanted to do. And it's been kind of funny. I've been trying to figure out while doing these podcasts, you know, what I want my podcast to be about. Because again, you know, I'm a little bit older guy. And back in the day when I was taking broadcasting in college, you know, at the time I wanted to be Howard Stern. I mean, Howard Stern was young. He was working at a radio station in New York City and he was, you know, everywhere. I listen to his show now on Sirius and he's not the same anymore. You know, he's kind of a sellout, I think. But for me, you know, I wanted to be Howard Stern. So it was funny when I first started this podcast, I was trying to be maybe like Howard Stern a little bit. And then I realized at my age, I don't want to be Howard Stern anymore, you know. So I bounced around from doing like live shows, um, well, you know, just chatting with people, having a good time, hanging out. I took on some serious topics like some of you may have heard. I did that uh, series of interviews with Pamela Smart and uh, about the murder case that she was involved in in New Hampshire. But I'll tell you, I think that that kind of, um, you know, I don't know, that kind of burnt me out a little bit. I, I don't think I realized doing the interviews with like the Pamela Smart people and then also the Circle of Hope Ranch girls, how, how like emotionally taxing it is to do those type of interviews. So for me, it, it, I got burnt out, I think, on doing those. The good news is for, for any, any of you that did listen to the Circle of Hope um, interview that I did regarding those two girls that were uh, living in that ranch in Missouri and they were you know abused, I'm not sure if you guys saw this, but I did that show and I published it pretty heavily throughout Missouri. It went viral, and actually DCF just went in and took all 40 girls out of that house. They were being abused. So, you know, I feel pretty good about that. But honestly, I just needed a break. So I, I've taken like a, like probably like a month off. And I think during – yeah, isn't that amazing, Jess? I mean, honestly, I never envisioned that that would happen. You know, I really didn't. I mean, when I did the interview, you know, I, I re- was really upset for the girls. I felt horrible for them. And I wanted to do what I could to maybe help them a little bit. But I never envisioned that it would actually make a difference because apparently what happened was that my podcast, people were sharing it all over Facebook and it kind of went viral in Missouri. So all different types of people heard it and apparently it hit the right the right person. And they did a DCF investigation and took the girls out, which is great. So, yeah, I'm happy about that. You know, I feel good that I did something to make a difference. But, you know, coming back, I think I'm just going to do some more general uh, podcast just talking about different things. Like I have a bunch of things today that I want to talk about. And, you know, we'll see if we get into some of these. So let me get on the list of some of the things I'm thinking about today that I'd like to talk about. Pretty much everything's on the table. So if you have something you'd like to talk about, I'm welcoming people to call in today. If you'd like to call in and chat, we'd love to have you. But these are some of the things I was thinking about, like, you know, COVID. One of the, I mean, I know everybody's sick to death of, of talking about COVID. But for me, you know, <clears throat> there's so much around this whole COVID thing. You know, people, a lot of people feel that this is definitely a political ploy by the Democratic Party to get Trump out of office. And then, you know, there's a lot of people, obviously, that believe it's a true pandemic. And, you know, I see 
a lot of things from both sides of the fence. I see people talking about, you know, the survival rate of, of uh, COVID being 99.94 or whatever it is. And that's a survival rate that's higher than the common flu. And, you know, it's, it's hard for me because I have a wife that's a doctor and she's in the house and she's fighting COVID every day. So she's out, you know, with the patients uh, every day. My daughter's actually working with her now and helping her out in the uh, tent area where she does the testing. But, you know, for me, I, I don't know. I don't know what I think. I mean, I think sometimes I do believe that maybe, because yeah, I know everybody hates Trump. I do think that maybe sometimes the Democrats are using this. You know, it's still true, but they're using it to hopefully get him out because I think that they certainly want him out, you know, no matter what the cost is. So I don't know if anybody, you know, feels anything strongly about that. Uh, another thing that's been kind of bothering me is the masks, you know? Yeah, you know, it probably is just, that's the thing. I mean, who knows, you know, what the truth is. Um, the things that are getting me though are like the masks and, you know, schools still being closed and things like that. Like, I don't know if anybody saw the story, but I saw this on Facebook last night. I actually shared it on my private Facebook uh, account. Did you see the story on JetBlue? And now I love JetBlue. Great airline. My favorite airline to fly. I love being able to get on and watch TV when I fly. You know, super cool airline as far as I'm concerned. But I guess there was a flight leaving Orlando. And there was a mother who had her six children on board with her. Now, I have four kids. And I fly with my wife when we bring the four kids along. I couldn't imagine flying alone with my four kids. This mother got on alone with her six children. And all of the children had their masks on, except for one who was two years old who refused to keep the mask on. So JetBlue would not take off until the two-year-old put his mask on and kept it on. The two-year-old wouldn't do it. Now, I don't know if any of you guys out there have children, but two-year-olds don't always do what you want them to do. You know, <laughs> two-year-olds, they call it the terrible twos for a reason. They become very independent. They don't listen. They throw tantrums. So this woman had her six kids on the plane. They removed her and all six of her children. It would not let them fly because the two-year-old child would not put his mask on. Now, from what it said in the story, all of the other people on the plane were supporting her. And sticking up for her, basically saying, you know, you shouldn't be throwing her off. So you know what they did? They removed everyone from the plane. So because this woman was on with her six kids, her two-year-old would not comply with keeping the mask on. Not only did they remove her and her family, but they removed everyone from the plane. You know, I mean, I get that we're supposed to wear masks. masks. I get that it protect, protects us from the pandemic. But when I see things, and again, some of the things I'm going to talk about today go back a little bit because I haven't been on in like a month. But when you see a mother of six removed from a plane, her children removed from the plane, and then everyone kicked off the plane because a two-year-old would not wear a mask. Milk Dog, what's up, man? To me, there's something off about that. You know, there's something off about that. I mean, again, it's it's important to be safe, but to kick a family and a mother of six off a plane because your two-year-old doesn't wear a mask is just over-the-top crazy, in my opinion. So, I don't know. You know, this whole thing with COVID, the schools. Now, the schools, like I talked about a little bit better. Yeah, Milk Man, man glad to have you. And also, you know, Milk Dog 2020. I love the name because that's something I started back in the day when I thought that Milk Dog should be the president 
in 2020 and run against Trump and along with Eric Kirk as his uh, vice president. But Milk Dog, I'm very happy to see, has a very successful show because Milk Dog is the man. I'm glad your show's been so successful. Uh, you're really killing it, and I'm very, very happy for you. So congratulations to all that success that you're having. It's well-deserved. And sorry I haven't been on. I'm going to start getting on a little bit more. As I was telling other people, Milk Dog, I've taken like a month off. I was just burnt out. I did like 105 shows, needed some time off. So today, just a little impromptu show. I woke up, felt like doing a podcast, so here I am. So I want to talk about a bunch of things. So things I have on my list. I started the list, and then, of course, I go off on tangents. That's me with my adult ADD or whatever I have. But anyway, so COVID, again, I'm sick of it, but it's still in our lives. The masks are driving me crazy. You know, I go along with the masks. I'll go out and do my thing. And if I'm, you know, if I'm going into a store, I put my mask on. You know, I try to do the right thing. But then there are other things, too. Like, my, as I was talking earlier, my kids play baseball. So in our town, we have a Little League baseball field, okay? And it's a beautiful field. I live in a small town out in the middle of nowhere. And this Little League field is right in the middle of the town, okay? So everybody in town comes out for the Little League games because there's nothing else to do here. So the league now is making a big deal about, you know, fans are all have to wear their masks when they're spectators, So for me, you're outside. You're outside in fresh air. If you're social distancing, why do you have to wear a fucking mask? I don't think you should have to wear it, you know? So now instead of sitting in the bleachers because I refuse to wear a mask outside, I have to sit over by my car away from everybody else. And it's just, you know, stupid in my opinion. If you're outside and you're social distancing, you shouldn't have to wear a mask. Now, where I live, Again, I don't know where you all live again. If you go, if you guys could type in the in the box down below and remind me where you all live. But where I live, I'm in Massachusetts. And you know, Massachusetts is like the People's Republic of China. I mean, it's a you know, communist <laughs> socialist state. I grew up in New Hampshire with a state motto is live free or die. New Hampshire is kind of like little Texas, very independent, you know, no seatbelt law, no motorcycle helmet law. So Massachusetts is the polar opposite. It's very similar to like living in California. So in Massachusetts now, the governor the other day, Governor Baker, who I don't love, he's technically a Republican, but he's more of a Democrat in the state. He just made it now mandatory, mandatory for all K through 12 students to get a flu shot. I mean, think about that, mandatory. So, you know, again, this has taken the choice out of the hands of the parents. Now, since this came out, I've done some research on flu vaccines and things like that, and Flu vaccines year to year range with a success rate of maybe anywhere from 19% up as high as like maybe 50%. And now to put it in scale, my family, we all get flu shots every year. My kids get them. I get them. My wife brings them home for us. So she's a doctor. It's easy, you know, but um, should it be mandatory? I mean, what do you all feel that are in here right now? Do you feel that a state should be able to mandate a flu shot? Dina, Joe, what's up? Oh, that's right. You're in Denver. I remember that. Now, Jess, have you ever listened to my friend's radio show? My friend Mike Evans is the morning drive sports guy on KFAN in Denver. So he, his name's Mike Evans. I've been best friends with him since we kids. Yeah, he and I are best buddies. I saw him a few weeks ago in Rangeley, Maine. He flew out for Guys Weekend. And now, Jess, I don't know if I ever told you this story. I may have. I'm getting off on a tangent again. But now, I, you know, Mike, it's funny. He's the morning drive guy in Denver. He's a huge Patriots fan. And he kind of has to keep that under his hat in Denver, obviously. And he talks Broncos. But over the years, if you've listened to KFAN ever, 
I am pretty well known in Denver. I am the annoying New England Patriots fan. I actually, he'll call me and have me uh, call into his show. And I get on and talk about the Patriots and how much they, you know, the Broncos suck and the Patriots are great and Tom Brady is great and John Elway sucks and all that stuff. My buddy will call me after the show and read me the text line. He's like, dude, people fucking hate you out here. <laughs> so it was funny. I had a good time with it. So, yeah, it's uh, he, he's, he's taking pictures. He goes out and does remotes at bars and things like that. So people will literally come up to him and go, yeah, who's that John DeVito guy? And he'll text me pictures of him standing next to someone and this guy like giving me the middle finger and stuff like that. So it's really funny. I know, you know, I, I get, I get that everybody hates the Patriots. I mean, I, I was the same way. You know, the Patriots were terrible for a long time and I used to hate the Dallas Cowboys. They'd win every year, every year they'd be in the Super Bowl, and I absolutely hated them. So I completely get it. You know, Dina Joe, so happy to see you this morning. So anyway, you know, going back to what I was talking about. It, the flu vaccines in Massachusetts, I don't think they should be mandatory. And like I said, my kids now are going to be home remotely until January. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, do they need to be home remotely until January? Most of the school districts in Massachusetts are going back with a hybrid model. So, I mean, I think that my kids need to go back to school for some of the social aspects of school, being with friends, seeing friends having those interactions with people and, you know, being home again, I, I think it's just brutal. Right. Exactly. That, that's what they say. They're saying that all the kids need to have a documented flu shot by the end of December. Now, a lot of the school districts are going back. My school district, despite being in an area where there's almost no risk of COVID, they decided to go remote until January. And what's happening is a lot of the teachers unions are getting involved and basically telling school districts that, no, nope, it's not safe to go back. You have to improve the ventilation in the school buildings. You have to do this and that before we go back. And it's not like the schools have the budget to do these things. So right now, the teachers unions are holding the school districts and the parents hostage, basically, with this whole COVID thing. So it's just a big mess in Massachusetts. I'm not sure if it's the same way everywhere else. But uh, other things, I've got a whole list of things that you know I'd, I'd like to talk about today, and everything's on the table. So feel free to make comments down below if you'd like to discuss. And again, you know, <laughs> this is kind of a safe space for whatever political party you believe in. I don't believe in you know chewing people out if you have different uh, views than I do. But did you have any feelings about Kamala Harris being the vice president? Any feelings about Joe Biden? You know, for me. I don't have any strong feelings to Camille Harris. I mean, she seems like she's a pretty smart lady, uh, very liberal, which is on the other side of the political spectrum from where I am. But, you know, I've seen some things that I don't like about the way people are attacking her. I don't know if anyone saw the ads talking about Joe and the hoe. I don't know if anybody saw that. But, you know, what, whatever happened in our society where we could have civility in between people? You know, you, you look at and again, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to vote for Trump this time around. I'm not going to vote for Joe Biden. I don't like Joe Biden at all. And to be honest with you, I think we have two very weak candidates going for president. Yeah, good. To, we'll be happy to have you back on it when you come back. So, you know, I don't know. It's it's just for me, it's there's a lot going on politically, but I think we still have to learn how to be civil to each other. I mean, when you see the way the political climate is right now in this country and you see the way that people are treating each other in this country right now, I mean, I, I literally can't be on Facebook right now where every single person, whether you're left or whether you're right, is just attacking each other. They're fighting on Facebook. 
you know, when did we all lose, I guess, as a society, the ability to be civil to each other, you know? I mean, I can have disagreements with people. You know, it was funny. I, I was up in Rangeley, Maine a couple of weeks ago. Rangeley, Maine is about a half an hour from the Canadian border. And I'm friends with a few of you guys on Facebook, and I posted some pictures. Uh, Dean and Joe may have seen them. But Rangeley, Maine is absolutely beautiful. So it was funny. We were five hours north from home, and we realized with a Facebook post that one of our, I guess, indirect friends from our area was up in Rangeley. This was actually a woman who was an advocate for my son, Matt, who was on an IEP for school. And um, she was up in Rangeley. So she was like an advocate. She helped us out. And we met her in Rangeley. Now, she has very much, you know, liberal, democratic uh, backings. We are, you know, more Republican, I guess, Trump supporters. But she, her family and my family, we met for ice cream. We couldn't be more different as people. But, you know, she and I are able to have, like, you know, respectful political differences. But we can still maintain a friendship and realize, okay, you have certain beliefs. I have certain beliefs. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean that I'm a bad person. But we both are able to disagree but still be friends. And I think somewhere in society we've kind of lost that ability to maybe have political differences or differences about different things. But then maybe discuss those things respectfully. So – Hopefully at some point, you know, we can maybe get back to a point in all of our lives where we can have discourse with other people and still be respectful of other people's opinions. You know, it's, I don't know, maybe it's social media, you know, maybe social media allows people to make comments and not really have to back up those comments. And, you know, even here in Podbean, you can kind of do that. Sometimes you have trolls coming into the shows, you know, they can hide their identity, they can make comments. You know, back in my day when I was a kid, you know, there was no social media. So if you made a comment that was rude to somebody, you'd get popped in the face for it. So social media, you can kind of make those comments and you don't have to worry about getting punched in the face, which I guess in some ways is a good thing, but also kind of enables people to, you know, get out and I guess be inappropriate in the way they talk to people and things like that. But so anyway, I'm not sure if anybody has any feelings about, you know, Joe Biden, Donald Trump. Do you like Camila Harris? You know, I didn't really watch the Democratic National Convention, But I think one of the things that kind of surprised me is I saw on Facebook that uh, AOC, that I don't even know how to pronounce her name, Alexandria Oscasio-Cortez or whatever her name is. I can't pronounce it, so I just call her AOC. But she got on and endorsed Bernie Sanders. I mean, can you imagine that (laughs) if I'm Joe Biden? And again, I don't love Joe Biden. And quite frankly, I think he has dementia. I feel kind of bad for him. But could you imagine being him and you choose the people that you want to speak for you in the Democratic National Convention. And again, you're obviously looking to garner support. You're looking to accept the nomination. You're looking to have like almost like a high school football pep rally to kind of kick off the final stretch of your campaign. And you have one of the most progressive, young, new names in the Democratic um, Party get up and endorse someone that you beat out. I mean, honestly, I, you know, I didn't love Bernie Sanders either, but... Um, I felt like he got screwed. I mean, I think that Bernie Sanders had quite a bit of momentum. No one backed him. Everyone backed um, Biden. And, you know, I, I don't think Bernie Sanders really had a chance. Now, he's probably, you know, even more of a socialist than, than uh, Biden is. I think Biden's probably more middle of the road. Trump's obviously right wing. But, you know, <laughs> to, to see her get up and endorse his rival, if I'm Joe Biden, I'm pissed. You know, I'm pissed. Why did I have this woman on? I mean, I'm sure he probably thought that she was going to endorse him. 
So, I mean, you, it shows you can't you, – you'll never know what AOC is going to do. She certainly has a mind of her own. You know, she wrote that Green New Deal, which I thought was kind of crazy. But, um, you know, <laughs> I don't know. If I was him, I'd be pissed about that. So, not sure if any of you have any feelings on AOC or anything that happened there. But that was kind of crazy. So, um, you know, also, I guess thinking about sports right now, you know, we're kind of jumping around to different topics. But sports, you know, are you enjoying them? You know, right now you've got uh, Major League Baseball is playing games to empty stadiums. You've got uh, the NBA and the NHL are in playoffs right now. And, you know, same thing, empty stadiums. I guess they have digital fans. And this is kind of funny. My son, Brandon, was excited. One of his good buddies, Cooper, who is one of his best friends, has season tickets to the Celtics. And they actually give us tickets sometimes. We probably went to like three or four games this year. You know, we buy tickets from them when they don't feel like going to games. And, uh, you know, we, we get to bring the kids to the, to the games and see the Celtics. But it was kind of funny. His friend Cooper, the other night in the Celtics playoff game, was one of the digital fans that you could see on camera. So his mother posted it on Facebook, and it was really funny. Cooper's a great kid, just a polite, nice young man, good little baseball player. He loves basketball. He actually brought my son with his family to one of the basketball games this year. And my son got all kinds of autographs because I guess as a season ticket holder, you get to get out on the floor before the games when the players are shooting and get all kinds of autographs. So my son came home with like 15 different autographs, including the big guy, Taco Fall, for the Celtics, who's like seven foot seven. But uh, to see my, my friend's buddy, Cooper, is one of the virtual fans. It was so cute. So, you know, kind of a cool thing. But for me, you know, I'm a big sports guy. I really am. I, you know, I'm a huge baseball fan. I'm a huge football fan. You know, I played baseball throughout my entire life. I played into my mid-20s. Uh, football, I got a full scholarship to college and played as a defensive tackle at the University of Rhode Island, a 1AA school. And so I'm a big sports fan. But to me, I'm having a real hard time watching baseball. Part of it could be because the Red Sox absolutely stink this year. They're terrible. So maybe that's part of it. They're just the worst team I think I ever remember in Boston. They can't win a game. I think they did win last night, but they had lost like six in a row before that. But to me, I think sports loses something when you don't have fans in the seats. You know, no fans in the seats to me just makes it boring. You know, I'd love to go to a game, and obviously you can't. So I don't know. You know, this is all tying back in to the whole COVID thing. I mean, do you think we're react overreacting as a country? I mean, we had the H H1N1 uh, pandemic back, I don't know, seven, eight years ago, whatever it was, when Obama was president. And we didn't shut everything down back when that happened. You know, we kept everything open. There were more cases of H1N1 than we had of um, COVID. There weren't as many deaths, so it wasn't as deadly. But to me, you know, as a country, I mean, we're still, we still have everything shut down. See, I heard statistically, yeah, you know, they, they may be, you know. You heard statistically players are petty, playing better without fans. That could very well be. You know, that's a really good point to, to think about. <laughs> I would imagine some players, you know, every person is different, I guess. And, you know, one of the complaints, or I guess one of the, one of the observations people make about Boston is, you know, I've been to a baseball game in Colorado, and the fans care, but they're not like in Boston. And when I say that, it doesn't mean any disrespect to the Denver fans. And I think in Boston, this is more than more for baseball than anything else. <clears throat> but for, at Fenway Park, every single night, you have a full 34,000 fans at the game. And out of those 34,000 fans, you have like 34,000 supposed baseball experts 
34,000, you know, assistant coaches. And if you are a Red Sox player and you hit a ground ball to shortstop and you do not run it out at full speed every time, you will literally get bashed in the newspapers. You'll get bashed on talk radio and you get destroyed. Like there are certain players that can play in Boston and certain players that can't. One of those players I think that really struggled recently was David Price. David Price finally got traded to the Dodgers. And David Price was a great pitcher in Tampa. I always liked David Price. He came to New England, and everything he did, everything he said, he was under a microscope. And I think eventually he just shut down because the Boston media, I think the New York media, and also maybe the Philadelphia media. Now, I'm not sure about other places because I haven't lived in those places, but I can only speak for the area that I know of. But the Boston media is horrible. So I think you have – at Fenway Park anyway, you have certain players that embrace – you know, playing in front of a crowd that really thrive on it. But I imagine there are probably a lot of players out there that don't love playing in an atmosphere where you have all those fans on top of you, and it's probably easier just to relax a little bit in those stadiums. So I hadn't thought of that. That's really actually a really good point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, the, the Rockies also, you guys haven't had a history, I guess, of having great teams. You know, Boston, they, they expect the team to be in the playoffs every single year. And I think that puts a lot of – pressure on you know the uh, the Red Sox players it, you have certain guys that love it you look at David Ortiz he was a guy that came here he loved the attention he loved the pressure you know you put him up in a pressure situation in a game he hit a home run almost every time or get a big hit you know there are certain people that love it and other people that just don't so that's I'm, I'm actually gonna look that up that's a that's a great comment and I, it's something I hadn't even thought about. But for me, you know, it's just not the same watching the games without fans. I really miss seeing a full stadium, and I really miss seeing, you know, all of that stuff going on. So I don't know. So we, we got a lot going on in this world, you know. As I mentioned, COVID's still dragging on. I'm tired of it. I think we're all tired of it. And I think maybe as a country we might be overreacting a little bit. But, again, you know, that's, that's easy for me to say because I haven't known many people that have gotten it and passed away also. I mean, we did have one family member, and I did a show a while back before I took my break. Um, my wife's – oh, dude, yes. You know, I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned that, V-Dig. Let me finish my point on my, on my mother-in-law, and I want to talk to you in a second. Hold on one second because I just saw that this morning. But, you know, we, we did lose my wife's grandmother to COVID, uh, but she was 90. She was in a nursing home. She really was not healthy at all, and she was kind of having some memory issues and things like that. So it was probably a blessing in disguise that she went. But really, you know, we don't know too many people that have passed from it. So I guess that's why sometimes I think that maybe, you know, there's an overreaction to it. I guess if I had a family where, you know, my brother had passed or my mother had passed or something like that, I'd probably feel a little bit differently about things. But I see the name is VDIG3. So, yeah, what is going on with the hurricanes? I just saw that on the news this morning. I haven't been watching the news at all because it's been negative. I've been trying to stay away from it. But you've got two hurricanes coming in to the Gulf Coast, right? And it looks like they're both going to hit at the same time. Now, from the map I saw, it looked like one was heading towards maybe the Houston area and the other one was kind of heading towards New Orleans. And this is the first time in the history of this country, right? That's crazy. I mean, so now let me ask you, because I actually didn't see the whole story. Now, what category are these storms? Are we looking at, you know, serious storms? Hopefully they're, you know, category one and not, 
you know, like Katrina. Okay, so Cat 1. So that's better. You know, we just had a Cat 1 storm that hit us up here in New England. And, you know, we got some wind, got some rain. The guy across the street from me lost a couple of trees in his yard, so it wasn't awful. But still, they have two of those storms coming in. I mean, that's insane. That's absolutely crazy. You know, I don't think anyone is going to miss 2020 <laughs> when it's over, man. I mean, for me, I remember the start of 2020. You know, I just took a new job in January, was super jacked about the job I took. And I'm still here, you know, nine months into this new job. And, you know, I haven't been laid off, which is good, even though I work in educational technology sales. And, you know, the schools haven't been <laughs> haven't been in place since March. But I literally was you know, kicking ass in January and February. And then all of a sudden, school shut down. And I've been remote March through now. And it looks like I'm going to be again through January. So, man, 2020, we've had COVID. We've had George Floyd. We've had the protests in the Antifa rallies where they're ripping down statues and burning down cities. The hurricanes that have hit. And, you know, murder hornets. How about the murder hornets? I mean, <laughs> I'm still seeing those on the news. And now out in my area... You know, not, not only do we have COVID, but they're now talking about Triple E. So last year, uh, 2019, I felt bad for the kids in school then because in the fall of 2019, Triple E started. And, you know, they stopped playing Friday night football games. They had to be played on Saturday afternoon. I mean, not a big thing, but it was you know, something that was different and out of the norm. But then for the local high schools in my area, they canceled the um, – like the homecoming dance and things like that. And so there, there were a lot of things that the kids of 2019 lost due to Triple E, and then COVID kicked in. So these same kids who were seniors last year, not only did they lose like nighttime football games, they lost their homecoming dance. And then all of a sudden COVID kicks in. They missed uh, graduation. They missed, you know, proms, things like that. So it's been kind of a rough period of time. And I'm hoping – and Jess, I want to get to that in a second also. I see your comments, so hang for a second. I'm going to ask you about that. But, you know, if you, now, let, me ask, let me ask you guys this question. You know, with COVID happening like it has and, you know, things like Triple E and West Nile virus and all these different things we have, do you think we're really establishing a new normal in this country? Do you think after COVID is gone, do you think every flu season – the kids are going to be wearing masks in school and we're going to be told we have to wear them out in public? Or do you think that's going to go away after COVID? You know, because I could see a scenario where if we're having a really bad flu season, you know, they're going to shut down the schools again or everyone's going to have to wear mandatory masks again. So I'm just kind of wondering if you guys think that's going to happen or am I just being paranoid? You know, I, I'm, I'm with you, man. I feel the same way. I think, I think it is going to be the new normal where this is now going to be the expectation that we all wear masks or we all shut down every time there's a flu. And that, that just scares me. I mean, I think that as a, I don't know, as, as a people, as a population, we need to be smart about this and make sure that we're not making rash decisions, but who knows if that's going to happen going forward. So, Hey, so Jess, let me ask you about that now. Cause I've been seeing, now I, I have some good friends in California. I know you're in Colorado, but I've got some good friends in California, and number one, they've been talking about the heat wave. I mean, triple-digit temperatures. I was on a Zoom call the other day with one of the guys that works for my company, and he was telling us it was like 109 degrees, and they've got the wildfires off also in California. And he actually took a picture and posted it on our Slack page, on our company um, page, you know, showing ash on his car. 
So, Jess, how close are the wildfires to you? And, I mean, hopefully not in danger. And, you know, are you seeing things like that? Like I see Jess, Jess's uh, or Dean and Joe's comments about smoke and ash and things like that. So are you literally waking up during the day with ash on the ground near your house, on your car? Because, I mean, this seems to happen every year, you know, in California especially, but across the West. I mean, there is these just these huge wildfires. And these are things on the East Coast that we really don't have. I mean, the population is so can, you know dense out here that you generally don't have wildfires on the East Coast as much. But it's just crazy that these seem to happen every year on the West Coast. So kind of crazy stuff. So I don't know. You know, um, a lot going on. <laughs> we talked about 2020. And I saw the comment that uh, VDIG made a little while ago. You're right. 2020, don't let the door hit you on the backside on the way out. <laughs> Hopefully 2021 is going to be a more positive year. But I guess, you know, for all of you that are in here, you know, we've got kind of a small live chat today, and that's going to be a battle I'm going to have to fight coming back after taking a month off, but that's okay. I don't do this for having, you know, engagement numbers and things like that. I do this just for kind of enjoyment, and I'm kind of feeling like I'm going to get the enjoyment back to start doing my show again after taking my month off, which is kind of good. So, but what, what have you been doing? You know, Dean and Joe, I love the old man show. I haven't been on in a while because I've just been taking a break and not really listening to any shows. But, you know, Dean and Joe, the old man, and Eric have a great show where they're very positive every morning. I love the positive outlook they all have on life. And that's something I think it's important for all of us. We need to find a way to be positive. We need to find a way to look for the silver lining, you know, in these things right now that are so bad. So I guess, you know, what, what are all of you guys doing to be positive? You know, I, I have my battles like everybody else, you know, I have days where I wake up and I'm negative and I'm just tired of being home, you know, with the kids. It feels like the movie Groundhog Day. I'm just living the same day over and over again. But I guess, you know, I need to look at it maybe a different way where instead of being negative, you know, I guess when I'm 70 years old and I'm looking back, it's spending these six months home with my kids and my kids are now married and they have their own families you know, maybe at that point, I'll, I'll look back on this and go, man, I don't think I realized how lucky I was to have those six months or eight months home with my children. And now they're all gone and they have their own families and I don't see them as much. So, you know, I've got to find a way to be positive. And I think hopefully all of you are doing the same thing, finding a way to be positive and happy every day. I see the picture of V dig. It looks like uh, you're a, you've got a girlfriend or a wife there. It looks like a beautiful picture. It's kind of small. I'm looking at uh, Jess Ducks picture of her beautiful dog. Just like, what type of dog do you have? Just kind of curious as to what you have. Hey, what's up? Crap, how you doing? And I like that picture also. Nice picture. I love looking at everybody's pictures. So Jess Duck, what type of dog do you have? Just kind of curious. I have two dogs. Let's see. I wake up and do a men's devotional and do daily goals and walk into my day. I love that. Crap, my eyes are beautiful. <laughs> nice. Yeah, Jess Duck, we have um, a mutt who's like a black lab and I think a collie mix. And then we have a purebred golden retriever. And we actually got her. We, we adopted our first dog from a shelter. The second dog, we had a, a friend in town that bought this golden retriever purebred and decided they weren't dog people. So we took her and she's awesome. So um, let me let me go back. I see Dina Joe's comment. So V-Dig, I wake up and do a men's devotional and do daily goals and walk into my day. So tell me more about that if you could. So you wake up and do a men's devotional so do you actually write down daily goals every day and then and then start that day? That's a good idea because I haven't been doing that. I think maybe 
creating daily goals for me would be a good idea because I feel like I'm kind of floating sometimes without any structure. And I really like that idea. So if you could type a little bit more information on there and tell me exactly what you do, I'd like to hear more about that. Um, Dina Joe, it's a daily struggle personally for me, waking in pain. I get up and try to be happy. I'm alive uh, through devotional and workout. Hey, Simp, welcome to the show. So, Dean Joe, tell me a little bit about your struggle personally, if you want to. I mean, don't <clears> – <throat> and again, if you want to call in, you can call in and speak also. Or you can just type whatever you guys want to do. I certainly welcome in call-ins. But, yeah, I mean, hopefully you're doing well. Now, you said you're waking in pain. Um, I don't know if you have any medical issues. I don't remember hearing anything on the show. You might. I know everybody has different things that they're dealing with. You know, for me, I wouldn't say I wake up daily in pain. But for 11 years of playing football, my body always hurts. So I'm kind of used to being in pain. Let's see. Welp. <laughs> Thank you. I'm the only good live stream on here right now. Thanks, Simp. I don't know if you've heard my show before, but I was on for several months. And, um, you know, I took like a break for like the last month. So I'm not sure if you've heard my show before, but I did over 100 shows and just burnt myself out. So I'm going to slowly start to come back now. And I try to have a good show. So if anyone does like my show, please share my live stream so people know that I'm on. I did have a pretty good following at one point. I'm going to have to rebuild that back up again. So if you're here, you know, first time this morning, please, you know, follow my show. Let's see. Island Girl is Island World. Now, if anybody wants to call in, I'm welcoming calls. I've got a bunch of things on the table I'm willing to talk about. And as I said, the title of the show, Anything Goes Friday. You know, so get on and Feel free to talk with me about anything you'd like. I put a bunch of things on the table. You know, COVID, masks, do you think they're necessary? Uh, schools being closed still. I've got four kids. It's killing me. Uh, Camila Harris, do you like her? Joe Biden, do you like him? Trump Pence, are you in that camp? Um, sports, you know, do you feel that sports are the same without fans? You know, I'm a big football fan. I'm kind of looking forward to pro football starting again, even though the Patriots are going to probably stink now that Tom Brady's gone. So, you know, and then I was talking about also the vaccines in Massachusetts. You know, my kids and my family all get a flu vaccine, but Massachusetts just made it mandatory for all K through 12 kids to get flu vaccines. So I think that is absolutely crazy. Let's see. Have you seen the TGE cringe joke made by the girl from Seinfeld? I don't think I have. So you must be talking about Julie Louis-Dreyfus. Seinfeld, one of my favorite shows of all time. Cam Newton, I know, I know. I'm hoping he's going to be good. But the Patriots backup quarterback, or not backup quarterback, but the young kid they have, Stidham, I didn't know much about him, but I watched some of his college highlights. He was a really good quarterback in college. So I think, you know, they're hoping Cam Newton, maybe Belichick can rehab him, but I don't know if he's going to, if they're going to be able to do that or not. Now I'm trying to scroll back up. I saw Dina Joe's comments about back surgeries. That's That's brutal. I'm sorry that you're in pain every day. Back pain is one of the worst pains you can have. I occasionally have back problems, and I think, again, that goes back to my 11 years as being a defensive tackle, uh, four years in college, but I sometimes have back pain. And when I have it, it's de debilitating. I can't even get out of bed some days. So I'm sorry you're going through that, Dina Joe. You're such a wonderful person. And I'm looking at all the comments. I'm going to get to all of you. But Dina Joe, you know, for, for those of you that don't know Dina Joe, Dina Joe, you know, has been listening to my show from back when I started, and she now does her show with the old man. Just a wonderfully kind, nice soul. And to the point where, you know, I have a 15-year-old daughter who has been suffering the last couple of years. She was bullied relentlessly through middle school. A lot of her friends turned against her. She became suicidal last summer. We had to put her 
into a uh, a place where she lived for two weeks, kind of getting her past her suicidal feelings. So she's doing much, much better now. Dina Joe, at one point, asked for my address and has been writing inspirational notes and cards and sending them to my daughter. How nice is that? You know, when you think that as one person, you can't make a personal difference or a positive difference in someone's life. Dina Joe has made such a positive difference in my daughter's life. She's a wonderful person. She writes nice notes. And trust me, you know, Dina Joe, I don't know if you get the true feedback from my daughter, but she gets these cards. Her face lights up. She reads them and she kept all of them. She has them up in her room. She loves the fact that you do that. Not only did, she, did Dina Joe write my daughter, but she also wrote my son as well. My oldest son, Matt, has autism. He got, a, he got a job at Market Basket. That's a grocery store up on the East Coast. And that was his first job. And you know, as a family, we always wondered, would our son, Matt, who has autism, be able to have a job? So he now has a job. And man, the minimum wage has changed a lot. He started off in Massachusetts making $12.75 an hour. I mean, holy crap. When I got paid minimum wage jobs, I think I made like 4 or $5 an hour. I was shocked when I saw how much he was getting paid. So he's getting a pretty good paycheck every two weeks. But um, Dina Joe is a beautiful person. And I'm so sorry that you're having back pain. But I am so happy that through Podbean I was able to meet you. And, and I consider you a friend. I love seeing you on social media. Hey, six uh, is a beautiful, beautiful chaos. I like that name. How you doing, beautiful chaos? Beautiful picture also. Um, and all, all of you that are on here that are new, please follow my follow my show. Shiva, welcome. Now, Shiva, I wonder if Shiva's welcome to the guy running for Congress in Massachusetts, Dr. Shiva. If so, I'm a big fan. Probably not, though. Okay, V-Dig, I want to go back up to your comment. I still see it on my screen. So you pray. Oh, and I just lost it. I can't scroll up without my mouse. Hold on. Let me see. Come on. My computer's having oh, – anyway, I got to scroll down. All right. See, I'm a, I'm a Gen Xer, but I'm a borderline boomer with technology. <laughs> so, all right, V-Dig, uh, prayers and write out goals for the day. Try to stick around three goals per day. Let's see. And it went away again. All right. Uh, some are attainable. Some carry on for a couple of days. I've even mixed in what I'm grateful for. The writing basically leads me down a road to mind dump and clear my mind to have a productive day. And it creates the structure that I need. I love it. I love it. I mean, I think that's so important. You know, one of the things I talk about a lot with my kids and everything is really, you know, there's such a fine line between being unhappy and being happy in life, you know? And, you know, for those of you that don't know me, I, I haven't been on in a while, but, you know, my life hasn't always been easy. You know, I have a good life now. I'm married. I have a wife that's phenomenal. She's a doctor. She's brilliant. She's beautiful. She's a good person. She grew up in a family without money. So she did this all by herself. So we're not this family that's got like silver spoons in our mouth where everything's been handed to us. My wife uh, grew up sometimes without food. So she um, put herself through college on her own, Boston University, put herself through medical school on her own. And now she works for a community health center helping the underprivileged and people that struggle financially. She runs a Suboxone clinic helping to get people off of drugs. And she's an amazing person. So, you know, I'm lucky to have her. She has put my life into perspective. I mean, I, I say sometimes that I think that, you know, when you get into a relationship, you need to find the person that brings the best out in you. And I think she's done that in me because I'd been in relationships before 
with people that maybe brought out the negatives in my personality. She's helped to bring out the positives in my personality. She's amazing. I love her. She's amazing. We've got four kids. For those of you who don't know me, for those that you do, you'll probably be boring you with the stories of my kids again. But my oldest is Matt. He's 17 years old. He was Delta, you know, a hard hand in life. He has autism. He has Tourette's. He has ADHD. And he has OCD. This kid, though, is inspirational. He, at the age of three, we were told that someday his life would probably result in him living in some type of institution. I remember leaving that meeting and crying, thinking about, oh, my God, my firstborn son. At the time, you know, 17 years ago, there wasn't much talk about autism. The only reference I had was the movie Rain Man. So it was horrible to think about that my son was not going to have a life and I wasn't going to be able to play catch with him. And we weren't going to be able to do all those things that fathers and sons you know, do together. But over the course of his life, he has gone to school all year round since he was little. He was in a program that helped kids with autism. You know, and the, you're right. There was no help back then. And Dina Joe gets what I'm saying. So he has worked relentlessly throughout his life to improve himself. He's always kept, for the most part, a positive attitude. We've had breakdowns, you know, over time with him where he's, you know, he's realized he's different and, you know, he's alert, been learning a lot in school now about racism and about how African-Americans were slaves and that's morphed into him, number one, him being angry about that, but then also being angry about people with autism being treated unfairly. So those things have been getting him down a little bit lately, but this kid, everything, you know, he tried everything. He tried baseball, you know, it wasn't for him. He tried basketball, it wasn't for him. And then all of a sudden he had given up on sports and he watched the movie Rocky. And here's my eight-year-old autistic son telling me, you know, we live in white suburbia. I want to be a boxer. So I knew nothing about boxing. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> he wants to be a boxer. I've seen him in other sports. It hasn't been good, but we'll give it a go. So I did a search for boxing gyms. I found one in the inner city of Worcester, Massachusetts, which is about 20 minutes from my house. All right, sorry, I get the allergies here. But anyway, he, um, we brought him into the gym and we walked in. It was in an old factory building, kind of like the gym you'd see Rocky or Apollo Creed training in in the Rocky movies. Rough place. And we walked in. You know, we were the only suburban white people in the gym, mostly people of color, Hispanic, African-American men and women. So we walked in. We met the owner. And the owner came over. And I didn't know at the time, but he's a very, very well-known boxing trainer in the area. His name's Kendrick Ball. So he invited us in. I told him about my, my son, my, my son, Matt. And again, this guy trains true professionals. If any of you are boxing fans, probably the most famous boxer he's trained is Edwin Rodriguez. Edwin fought on Showtime against Andre Ward one time for the title. He lost to him, but took, took it the distance. He, uh, they have another guy named Fitzy in the gym who fought Roberto Duran once. So they've got some pretty famous boxers in this place. So this guy took my son, Matt, in at the age of eight and started training him three days a week, okay, to the point where my son could defend himself. He built confidence in my son, and my son was able to go into the ring and box with professional boxers, you know, three rings at a time. The pros couldn't hit him back, obviously, because they would have killed him, but he was able to walk, you know, work on his offense, and, he, and they would work on their defense, and he would go in and have a great time fighting professional boxers, and He's been there now. He's 17 years old. He still goes to this boxing gym. When he walks in, he walks into this gym. He gets high fives from everybody, fist bumps from everybody, 
They call him champ. They treat him like a member of the family. And, you know, it gets me angry when I see people out there who are racist against people just because of the color of their skin. Because I can tell you this thing. In my white, I guess, supposedly rich suburban town compared to the inner city, you know, the people in this town have never embraced my son like the people in this boxing gym have. They changed his life. They treat him like a brother. And I've got nothing but love for the people in this gym that have made a difference in my son's life from day one. They changed his life. They gave him confidence in himself so he could start pursuing his dream of being an actor. So he has now been in 10 plays. He got his first lead last December where he was Buddy the Elf and Elf the Musical. And he went viral on Facebook and was on the Boston television channels and everything like that. So this is a kid. Remember, where we talked about at the age of three, we were told he would be in an institution. And not only did he is he not going to be an institution, he's been an actor, he's been a boxer, he now has his first job, and it has been such a hard, painful road with him where I've spent, and Dina Joe, you probably did this also, when he was diagnosed with autism, I'd be up till 3 o'clock in the morning Googling cures for autism, prognosis for autism, miracle drugs for autism, things that could help him maybe, you know, uh, is there a chance he could be normal? These are all things that I would go after on Google to see if I could help my son. I couldn't sleep. But now, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm sure you did it all. I did too. Spent sleepless nights looking for an answer, for a solution. But there were no solutions out there. So to see where he is today, you know, is he going to have a typical life? Probably not. But what's a typical life? You know, he's going to have a job. You know, he's a senior in high school this year. He wants to go to college, so he's going to start with community college. He wants to take acting. I mean, who knows? Who knows where he can go? He wants to be a professional actor. He wants to be in movies. And every time in my mind I have the doubt, I'm like, well, you know, I don't say it to him, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, you know, I don't know if you're going to be able to do that. It's a tough business. Then occasionally I'll see something like, what was that old show on Fox, Glee? I used to watch that with my daughter. And uh, there was the girl on that with Down syndrome. And I've seen many actors with Down syndrome on movies and TV. So my thought is, you know, if those kids can do it, why can't Matt do it? You know, why can't he be the kid on TV maybe that is autistic? You know, maybe he'll be that guy. So we try to support him every step of the way. You're right. You look how far he's gone and you can just never give up. So anyway, I didn't, mean, I didn't really envision going into that much of a story about my son, Matt. But there's always one story that still makes me cry. And hopefully I can say it without crying here. But when he was, I don't know, probably seven, somewhere around there, we went to the beach one day, a little lake near our house where they have like a little beach, you know, kind of like one of those small little pond type of things. And he was trying to pay, play with kids, and he was just unsuccessful. He didn't know how to engage and play when he was little. So I remember he kept trying to play with kids. Nobody wanted to play with him. So I remember he kept failing and failing and failing. I sat back and watched it. It was painful. So we eventually, you know, he came back to me, and we eventually sat for a while. Then we got in the car to go home. So I was in the front driving. He was the only one, only one with me at that point. He was in the back of the car. So he wasn't talking. All of a sudden, he goes, Dad? I said, yes. He said, why am I a failure as a kid? <laughs> oh, I couldn't even answer him. The tears went, you know, down my face. And I don't think I've ever been asked such a heartbreaking question in my life. Why am, I, why am I a failure as a kid? Broke my heart. So 
how do you even answer that? So I tried to answer to him that, well, you know, those other kids were there with other friends. They didn't know you. Don't worry. You're not a failure as a kid. But I knew what he meant. He wasn't stupid. He got it. He got that he was different and those kids didn't accept him. And that's been a way of things his entire life. So luckily we did find a school, a therapeutic school for kids with autism in Worcester, Massachusetts called Summit Academy. So they're kids that are all like him. So he has developed a sense of community. He's developed friends. <coughs> Excuse me. My cough button was on the other side of the microphone, so I apologize for coughing in your ears. But I do say that uh, I'm not wearing my mask, but it's not COVID. And I don't think it could be transferred to the microphone. So I think we're all safe. But anyway, that, that, that was really hard. So anyway, my, my son, Matt, it's been a blessing to have him in my life. My daughter, Caitlin, brilliant girl, A-plus student. She was bullied relentlessly through middle school. She's now homeschooling, but much happier. She's written three books on Wattpad. So she's a writer. And uh, she's very talented. Hey, pack for pack. Welcome. Hey, I know I've got some new people coming in here. So please follow my show if you could. For those of you that don't know me, uh, this is the John DeVito show. I'm John DeVito. Uh, I was I did 105 shows or 104 shows from March through July. And then just took some time off. I burnt myself out and needed a break. So this morning, I felt like coming back. And I'm really enjoying being back on the air. So I might do some more pop up shows. I've had trouble with scheduling shows. I'll come on and schedule a show, and then when it comes time to do the show, I don't feel like doing it, so I cancel it. So I think I might be popping, doing pop-up shows for a while just because then I'm in the moment. I feel like doing it. So welcome to all those that are in here. I'm so happy to have you all with me. We're just talking about myself, my family, willing to talk about anything this Friday, anything goes. So if you get something you want to talk about, bring it up. If you want to call in, I welcome callers as well. But uh, that's cool, man. I'm glad you, I'm glad you tuned in. I, re I really like what you wrote also, because that's try, you know, that's kind of where I'm trying to get to be. And I think I'm going to take up your advice and write out some daily goals. You know, come up with a prayer in the morning, start with a prayer, write some daily goals as, as to the things I want to accomplish, and maybe some of the things that, you know, I need to work on on a daily basis. Because, I mean, my goal is to make myself better every day as a person. I'm certainly not perfect, far from it. And I know nobody is. But uh, I love your plan. That's a great idea. And I'm glad you actually shared that with all of us. That's pretty awesome. So... Um, so anyway, um, I've got my first two that I talked about, and then I've got two younger kids. So my kids are 17, 15, 13, and 11. And if there are any younger people out there that haven't had children yet, I wouldn't advise having four kids so close together. <laughs> I've got three teenagers and a tween. We didn't really think that through back when we were having kids. So we got a lot of hormones and a lot of attitude in our house right now, but it's all good, you know. So my youngest two, I've got Ethan, who's 13, and Brandon, who's 11. Ethan and Brandon are my two athletes. You know, Ethan's a very good baseball player. Um, you know, he wants to be a professional baseball player, and I try to encourage him, even though the odds are tough. But, you know, last year in Little League, his last year in Little League, I know it's Little League, but still, he batted 800 with 13 home runs. He's playing on the big diamond this year for his travel team. Last weekend, he had a doubleheader. He got six hits in the two games. He's a catcher, real good ball player. So – um, you know, we've got him and he's super social, got tons of friends, Mr. Popular. And I think sometimes that's tough for his sister to see because she struggled in that way. And then number four, I've got Brandon, who the same thing. He's you know very popular, but he, it's funny. My fourth. Oh, thanks, Dean and Joe. And you are, too. And I'm happy to be back. I really am. So and I'm going to try to get into your show today. I haven't been on your show for a while and I do miss it. So hopefully I can get on and hang out for a little bit. But um, my youngest son, Brandon, he's kind of funny. He's Mr. Charisma. He's all personality, struggles in school, 
But man, he knows the right thing to say to everybody. He's kind of like his father. I'm a salesman. I think he's going to be a salesman also. But he's funny though. He's our first accomplished liar. And I don't say that in a bad way. My other three kids are all very honest. They tell the truth. And it's kind of strange because I think as a kid, I used to lie to my parents. So with number four, he's a great kid, but man, he's a good liar. He, he gets me to buy it quite a bit. And then eventually we end up catching him. But uh, we've been trying to work on him, you know, with the lying and stuff like that. Milk Dog, welcome back. Milk Dog is in the house. So that's my family. That's, you know, that's my wife. Those are my kids. You know, I feel very fortunate to be where I am today. But as I've told a lot of people, you know, and I had a show about this, you know, my life. You know, my life growing up was, wasn't easy. You know, I had, uh, I grew up in New Hampshire, you know, lower middle class family. We didn't have a lot of money. And, you know, I had a mother that when I was five years old, she uh, had muscular dystrophy. So I found that at five years old, my mother was going to die. She was in a wheelchair by the time I was uh, in my teens. And it's a you know very difficult, difficult disease. Thanks, Bill Dog. I appreciate that. So, you know, I found out my mother was going to die at a very young age. And I had a father who I love and we've made peace later in life. But I had a father that was very abusive. He was emotionally abusive. There wasn't a day in my house where there was not extreme yelling. I wonder sometimes if my father had OCD, because if you left a glass out, God forbid, you get screamed at for a half an hour. You know, if anything was out of place in my house, it was just misery. And it was something that, you know, my father had demons, I think, from his childhood. But we had, just in my house, constant turmoil, constant fighting. You know, there was physical abuse that I that I suffered at the hands of my father, but most of it was emotional abuse. And But, I mean, there were times. I remember <clears throat> there was a time where I haven't shared this with many people, but there was a time I was playing a game with my father. I think it was in the winter, so we were stuck inside, and we were playing the game Risk. I don't know if anyone's ever played that game. Great game. But I was a teenager, probably 13, got mad because I lost the game. And I remember I threw the board on the floor. You know, I was acting like a brat. Threw the board on the floor. My father told me to pick it up. I said no. So I went into my room, and I had kind of like a crappy lock on the door. So I locked the door in my room, and I refused to come out and pick up the game. Now, I'm not one that believes in being, you know, I know, I know you hear the term snowflake a lot. I'm not one of those snowflake parents. I believe kids need discipline. And you know, I can be strict with my kids when they need it. But my father that day started pounding on my bedroom door. And I was holding the door shut because I was afraid he was going to kick my ass. So he ended up knocking the door off the hinges. The door fell on top of me. And then he grabbed me by the shirt, punched me in the face, and I thought he broke my nose, gave me a bloody nose at that point. And I remember sitting there with blood all over my shirt and laying in my bedroom. And, you know, those that, that was one of the things I had, you know, to deal with as a kid growing up, where there was emotional abuse, there was physical abuse. So for me, growing up and being an adult, I had a lot of demons I had to get through, you know, in my teens, in my 20s. You know, I drank a lot in my 20s, did a lot of drugs in my 20s. And I'm at a point now in my life where I'm 52 years old and I really don't drink very much. If I do, it's the, you know one beer at a cookout and I won't drink for like three months after that. And again, not, there's nothing wrong with people who do drink. I just choose not to. But, you know, I dealt with a lot as a kid. And through my 20s, man, my 20s were a mess. You know, drank, did drugs, was with a lot of different you know, women. And you know, I don't say that in a bragging manner. It was a negative thing, you know, because I wasn't respecting myself and I wasn't respecting other people. And that's unfortunate, but I think that a lot of that had to do with the way I grew up, you know. So I think for whatever reason, I got to be about 30 
And that's where I met my wife. I met my wife, Cheryl. She's amazing. And she had, it was funny because I had just turned 30, like three weeks earlier. And she was young. She was only 22, about to turn 23. And I remember meeting her and thinking, man, she's great, but she's too young. You know, she told me she was going to medical school. That was going to be like a seven or eight year thing. I'm doing the math. I'm like, I'm going to be 37 by the time she's out. You know, I want to have a family. That's not going to work. But I remember I got her phone number at the end of that night and really did like her and thought about her for a couple of days. And I talked to my sister. My sister, Susan, is the one that told me, who cares how old she is? If you like her, call her. So, you know, we had a good conversation. My sister really encouraged me to call her, which I did. And here we are. 19 years of marriage, 22 years together, four children, here we are. And I can say that meeting her and being with her was most likely the best thing that's ever happened to me in my life. And, you know, I don't know if I tell her that enough, I should more, but she is just an old soul, a brilliant woman, and, you know, really has just a positive outlook on life every day. She goes to work looking to help the greater good, does a lot of good for other people, and it's just, you know, a great person. So I look at the way my childhood was, and there was a lot of negativity. You know, there was a lot of bad. There were a lot of things that made my life very difficult. I remember being a kid and not wanting to be alive because, you know, it's hard to explain, I guess, what daily screaming sounds like to wake up in the morning to screaming, to go to bed at night to screaming. There was constant yelling in my house all the time. And I guess the best way I can describe my father at certain points when he was really angry, if you ever watched The Shining with Jack Nicholson, that's kind of how my father yelled. It was like that. So could you imagine living in a house with someone that was, you know, acting in that manner? It wasn't easy. But not to completely throw my father under the bus, you know, my father had a tough life. He grew up very poor. He grew up with a very strict father. And I heard a story at one point from my grandmother that my grandfather held a shotgun to my father's head and threatened to kill him. So if you think about the abuse that my father probably suffered as a child, some of that transferred over to me. And my hope and my goal is that I can hopefully continue to break the circle of abuse that's happened in my family over the years. So for me, you know, I'm not perfect. I have bad days where I yell at my kids. But my home is nothing like the home I grew up in. It's a lot more positive. I think my kids in general are happy living with us. I mean, I could be wrong, but I think that they are. And, you know, over the years, I've gone to counseling to hopefully make myself a better person. But, you know, what the gentleman said earlier in the show is it's so important every day. Number one, if you're having trouble, get help. Speak to somebody. You know, you're not alone if you've had a bad childhood, if, you've in, if you're involved in a bad situation. Maybe you're addicted to drugs or alcohol. If you're having those problems in your life, seek help. Help is there to help you. And I think it's beneficial to go out and do it. But when you wake up every day, it's so important to wake up in a positive mindset. Even if you wake up and you're like, oh, man, I don't want to go to work today. I know I'm not feeling it. Wake up every day and try to choose to be happy. Try to choose to be positive. If you're having a bad day, do something nice for somebody else. You know, just be positive if you can. Because life's too short. And that's, you know, one of the reasons why I took an, a month off from doing podcasts was I was getting actually very negative about doing the podcasts. I got into a situation where I got caught up in some drama, 
on Podbean. And, you know, I was as much at fault as the other person. I'm not going to blame anybody else. You know, I went back and forth with this person. And, you know, it's something where I think if you're unhappy and you make someone else unhappy, then it just creates misery for everybody. So I took my break. I've had a great summer with my family. And I figured now it's a it's a good time with you know, getting into the fall for me to start doing podcasts again, selectively here and there. You know, I'm not going to worry about being on the leaderboard. I think at one point I was number four on the leaderboard. I don't care about that now. That means nothing to me. You know, I'm just going to get on, do my shows. If I have six people online with me or 26 people, it doesn't matter to me. I'm, I'm here just to do the shows I want to do, talk about what I want to talk about, and hopefully have people in my show that I care about, Dina Joe being one of them, obviously, because I want to have people that have a similar mindset in my show. So yeah, it's great. To, it's great to be back. And I'm actually really enjoying being on today. So I didn't know how I would feel coming on today. But uh, yeah, you know, I, I feel really happy being here today it really feels good. But I don't want to leave without telling you the, the story about my father. Now, you know, my father and I, we got into a big fight in my early 20s. It turned into a physical altercation where I ended up hitting my father after he hit me and knocked him to the ground. And, you know, you would think that after all the years of, the, of abuse that would make someone feel good, it made me feel awful. No son wants to hit their father. And it was just a terrible feeling. So my father and I didn't speak for about three years. The only reason we started speaking again was because I was getting married. He wanted to be a part of the wedding. He and I got together. We made amends and... You know, we got past it. So he he went to my wedding, and you know we weren't still in the best place at that point. But at least he was there; he was a part of it. But then I would say over the last twenty years, my father and I have come to a point in our lives where we actually have a good relationship now. My dad and I get along well; we don't fight. I've told him point blank because he's apologized to me, and I've told him point blank. You know what, Dad? I can't imagine how hard it was for you. You were a young guy because he got married at 25. You were a young guy. You found out your wife was sick at a very young age. And you had two kids. And my mother really couldn't work anymore. She had been a nurse. So all the financial responsibility was thrown onto my father. And we weren't rich, like I said. So, you know, we had to struggle for everything we had. I mean, we weren't poor, but we weren't rich. We didn't have, you know, excess money laying around. So, for him, you know, I said to him, I said, you know, I, I can't imagine how hard it was, number one, for your wife to be sick. You knew she was going to die. You had two kids that you were going to be responsible for. You know, dad, as a kid, I couldn't understand it. But as an adult and as a father now, I can understand what you've been up against. I get it now. And, you know, I said to him, you know, there were a lot of things you did that were positive. I said, you know, you taught me to be tough. You taught me to be persistent. You taught me never to give up. And my mother did as well. But I said, you know, in life, you know, you can always be, I guess, like really easy on your kids, but then they're not prepared for the world because the world is going to kind of kick their ass, you know? And for those of you that are parents now, you know, Dog, I know, you know, it's true, man, right? I mean, the world is tough and my father taught me to be tough. And again, I've got to measure that toughness though also with compassion because I think sometimes I've gotten lost in trying to be tough when I need to be compassionate. Hey, Caps, what's up, man? Welcome back to the show. Good, real good to have you in here. So anyway, you know, fast forward to today, my father and I have had a good 15 to 20 years of a really solid relationship where we go out to lunch together. I go up and visit him. We go to the beach together. You know, we talk baseball. He was a really good baseball player. 
Um, he got inducted into his high school Hall of Fame for athletics. I went to that, and I was his sponsor for that. So we were able to turn around a very contentious relationship when I was a kid and turn it into a positive. But then my whole point of telling you this story is, you know, if you have a situation with a family member where you're not getting along with them, fix it because you don't know how much time you have with a family member. You know, my mother, who had muscular dystrophy, she lived a lot longer than we inspect we inspected. She actually died 12 years ago from muscular dystrophy. She lived till she was 67 years old. People didn't give her a chance past 45 when she was first diagnosed. But my father now is 79. He's still alive. And he had a stroke three years ago. Now, the stroke didn't physically affect him because he can walk. And, you know, you, you see people with strokes where half of their body goes numb. He doesn't have that issue. But what it did was it started or kicked off or made worse dementia. So my father now has dementia and it's getting worse. When I go see my father now, you know, he'll tell me the same story literally 10 times in 20 minutes. And if I if I go see him today, 10 minutes after I walk out the door, he won't remember that I'm there. So it's getting worse and he's struggling. He's very independent. You know, we're now paying all of his bills for him. And he was a, you know, an accountant type of guy. He was an IRS revenue officer. So he was a very good numbers guy. So we're paying his bills, we're doing his taxes. He loved mowing his lawn. We had to take away the responsibility of him mowing his lawn. We bring a company in to do that now. We have to order his food and have it sent to his house for him through, uh, what is it, Instacart and, you know, uh, Peapod and things like that. So we're trying to get him to, I guess, get to a point where he wants to go maybe into an assisted living. But his wishes always were that he not, did not want to go into assisted living. So we hired visiting angels to be in his house four days a week. My sister and I drive up to see him. I live an hour and a half away from him and my sister about an hour. So we're both going up and trying to help him. But thankfully, my father and I were able to, to establish a relationship. We were able to put the past behind us and get to a place where we could both understand and like each other. And thank God that we did because now we're probably going to lose him over the next year or so, you know? So let's see. Caps, I wasn't looking up. I, I look at my microphone when I talk, so I apologize. <laughs> I guess I have to focus on my microphone. But Caps said, me and my dad have never really got on. Glad you had time. Sorry to hear that, bro. My mother-in-law had it really hard. I'm sorry to hear that, Caps. Man, that's that's rough. Now, is your father still with you, or did he pass? Because if he passed, I'm, I'm really sorry. That's hard, man. I get that completely. But it's so true, Dina Joe. You know, this show isn't going in the direction I expected it to, but this is cool. I like the, the direction it is going in. You know, forgiveness, when you hold grudges against people, and I've done this, you know, I've did it against my father for years, you know, other people I've gotten into fights with. Um, when you hold grudges against people, it doesn't just affect you, uh, the other person. It affects you. I mean, for me, when I carried around hate for three years of not talking to my father, it wasn't just getting him. It was getting me, too. It made me sad. It made me unhappy. It made me angry. You know? Uh, let's see. He's here, but makes it hard for me to be around my mom with his kids. Yeah, I get that. You know, sadly, since the stroke happened and my father now has dementia, he's kind of reverted back to being the guy he used to be a little bit, which has been kind of hard to deal with. So I get it. So we, you know, we had a different guy for quite a while, but now he's actually – gone back to being kind of the guy he was before. But at least I had that 20-year window, you know. So let's see. Uh, he had five-pass heart surgery. Wow. See, now that's crazy. My father-in-law had that happen. Now, my wife's father, 
Uh, he's younger than my dad. He's 72, I think he is. He had uh, triple bypass heart surgery. And then, was it last summer? Last summer, he was working out at his YMCA. He likes to walk on the treadmill and play handball. He had a heart attack. He literally hit the floor off the treadmill. Now, this is crazy. He was dead for 20 minutes. I had gone to a guy's weekend five hours north in Rangeley, Maine with my friends. And Mike Evans, the Denver sports guy, was there. I talked to you about him, Jess. So my father-in-law literally hit the floor and died. He was dead for 20 minutes. They worked on him in the gym. I had just arrived at the driveway in Rangeley, Maine, where one of my wife's cousins got me on the cell phone and told me what happened. So I literally had to turn around and come home. So he, they worked on him for 20 minutes. They were able to apparently keep the heart pumping and the blood flowing. They got him to the hospital, and they were able to revive him after being dead for 20 minutes. And, you know, when I got the call, I thought he was dead, so I drove home because I couldn't imagine my wife being alone, you know, having to deal with that. But he, I got to the hospital. He was alert. He could speak. And he has no brain damage, nothing like that after being gone for 20 minutes. His heart is only working like a 15% capacity, but he's still alive. He's in Florida. He's 72 years old and he's still with us. The sad part of it is, you know, of course, after we got through the initial stages of him being sick, he came to live with us for like a month and a half or two months while he recovered. And I remember one day we were chatting, he was on the couch and I asked him point blank. I said, did you see anything after you died? Because you always hear about the white light and you see loved ones and things like that. He didn't see anything. So he saw no white light, didn't see any loved ones, saw nothing, just blackness. So maybe he wasn't dead. Maybe, you know, he was still alive in some sense. I was kind of hoping to maybe get some answers about what happens after life through him. But uh, kind of an amazing story. So let me read. I'm going to scroll back up here. Um, all right, Jess Duck. Um, I wish my husband would make peace with his dad. They haven't spoken in over 20 years. See, I, I really hope he would too. I mean, not only for the for his father, but for himself, because he's going to carry with it carry it with him for the rest of his life. So hopefully he finds a way to maybe make that happen. But you know, the, the longer it goes along, the harder it is to get past the argument. The harder it is to forgive, and the harder it is to speak with someone that's been out of your life for so long. So you know, I'll pray for your husband, Jess. Hopefully he finds a way. Because for me, it, it was good for me to be able to get past everything that happened with my father because it makes me a happier person. I think it's made him a happier person also. So let's see, your dad still tries to lift weights. My father-in-law does the same thing. He's down in Florida. You know, he, he's not doing as much weightlifting, but he's playing bocce and he's playing you know, all the different games, shuffleboard and the other things they have down there. And he was asking my wife that, you know, can I still play handball? And my wife's like, no, dad, you had like a triple bass, high, triple high bypass. Your heart's only working at 15%. No, you can't play handball. So, uh, But he's stubborn. You know, he wants to do it. So I don't know. You're right, Dina Joe. Family sometimes are the hardest people to love and to forgive. But it's I think it's for our own well-being also. You know, we need to we need to be able to do it. You're, you're right, though. But people sometimes, you know, I, I know I've had the mentality where if you have someone in your life that's negative, sometimes it's best to just cut them out of your lives. But... And I've done that. I've done that with friends. I've done that with people that have been negative influences on my happiness. But it's hard, though, when you do cut family members out, especially someone as close as a father. 
you know, you can't do it without it affecting you also. So it doesn't sound bad. No, it doesn't sound bad at all. I completely get it. I completely get it. And you're right. I mean, it's it's really hard. You know, see, Caps, what you're saying sounds exactly like what we deal with somewhat. You know, my, my father-in-law and my father, you know, both were tough guys to deal with. My wife has a really big family, and she has some people in the family. Sometimes they're real tough to be around. So we moved an hour and a half away from the family, and I think part of it was to get the kids away from some of the negativity that exists in her family. Her family grew up in Charlestown, which is a real tough city outside of Boston, you know, I don't know if you know the Boston area, but if you've seen Black Mass, the Whitey Bulger story, or you saw The Town with Ben Affleck, that's about Charlestown, my, the, the town that my wife grew up in. And she had some you know, mob members in her family, some criminals in her family. Her father and her brothers knew Whitey Bulger and his gang, and they all kind of hung out. Eric, good to see you. I've been on for an hour and 20 minutes, Eric. I figured at some point you'd pop in. I'm sorry I didn't tell you that I was going to come on today. I did like an impromptu uh, show this morning because I was just feeling it today. Eric uh, Kirk has been one of my very good friends on Podbean, and I'm very happy that he's been on with um, Dina Joe and the old man. He's become an excellent part of their show, and you know, um, just a great guy. So, Eric Kirk, a good friend of mine, he is definitely the PR marketing guy for all of Podbean, helping out all the positive shows. So Eric, good to have you, my friend. I'm very happy to hear you. And you know, I've been on for an hour and 20 minutes. I'm kind of feeling it today. So if it's okay with you guys, I might go for a while longer. I'm not really looking to get off right now. Something just happened with my earphones. Maybe that's a sign. I lost sound in one side of my earphones. But anyway, Dean and Joe, you're right. Yes, bettering your life and cutting people out is something that you need to do. Oh, thanks, Caps. I believe I, I I appreciate that. But, you know, we, we had to do that with parts of my family because we were afraid that if our kids were caught up in the negativity and the drama, it will affect their well-being in life. And we didn't want that. But then you go back and forth with, you know, do we do the right thing? You know, we moved our kids away. They didn't get to spend as much time with their cousins, with their family. You know, are we being elitist? Are we being jerks? Are we being whatever? You know, so... I don't know. I mean, I go back and forth with it. Do we, did we do the right thing? Did we not do the right thing? But I mean, I think that we did it from a good place where we wanted to have, um, you know, a our kids have a positive experience. See, that, that's it. You know, I, I had to do that a few times too, Caps. We, had, we were at family get-togethers where big fights broke out. I remember there was one big fight that broke out amongst the men. You know, Now, keep in mind, like I said, my father-in-law has four brothers, all right? They all hung out with, like, you know, friends of the Whitey Bulger gang. So they, these are tough guys, you know, and they're, they're, they're city guys, tough guys. And, you know, they're not bad guys, but they're just, you know, tough city guys. So I remember one party we were at, they got into a big fight, you know, pushing each other, and the kids were little. They were scared. And now I'm a big guy. I played college football. I'm 6'4", 275 pounds now, so I'm not a small guy. But I took all the kids and brought them upstairs. So I remember I brought all the kids upstairs, you know, my kids, the other kids that were there, because I didn't want them to experience it. I was afraid for them. So I remember I came back downstairs, and one of the guys came up to me and said, you know, what the fuck? Why, why, didn't, you, why didn't you help out? You saw what was going on. Why did you run upstairs for? Kind of like acting like I was, you know, being a coward. And I looked at him and said, well, you know, to be honest with you, you're all grown men. You shouldn't be fighting like that. I was afraid for the kids seeing you all fighting like that. So instead of jumping in the middle of it and making it worse, I felt it was better 
to bring the kids upstairs so they didn't have to see their dads, their uncles, their cousins getting into fistfights in the middle of the living room in front of everybody. So at that point, he looked at me and goes, oh, I didn't think of it that way. So, you know, for me, there were a couple of instances where we had those type of negative situations happen. But, you know, we, we don't want our kids to be completely separate from the family also. So we try to see them in small doses so they get to know their cousins and things like that. And there are certain, I guess, parts of the family that we get along better with than others. And for me, this is all different because I had a small family. I didn't have a big family like my wife does. So it's a little bit different for me. It's like a learning process. But hey, GGGG, welcome to the show. And don't worry, Dean and Joe and Eric, I know that you actually, are you guys on at 10 Eastern time or 11 Eastern time? Because I'm definitely going to get off before your show starts. And for those people that are new into my show, I'm sure you probably all know the old man show with Dean and Joe and Eric. If you haven't been on the show, check it out. It's a great show. All right, in 50 minutes, I will definitely be off before your show, and I'm going to jump right into your show and listen also. But I might go for a while longer. I'm kind of enjoying being on here. So some of the other stuff I was talking about earlier, we got into kind of like some personal stuff. How do you feel about what's going on in the world right now? How does everybody feel about you know COVID, masks? Are they necessary? Are they helping? You know, and this is going back a while for me also. You know, all the protests that happened because of George Floyd. You know, I agree 100% with the sentiment that black lives matter. They, of course, they matter. And what happened with George Floyd was murder. But what I didn't agree with was ripping down statues and burning down cities. And I don't think that that was something that was being done by the African-Americans. I think that was done by an extremist group, Antifa. So, you know, that to me was a very negative situation. And I'm glad that's kind of uh, gotten better. But yeah, you know. I feel very badly, badly for the businesses that have, that have closed because of COVID. And I've seen in my area, there are several businesses that have gone out of business, that are up for lease, businesses that we used to frequent quite a bit, but we weren't able to due to COVID. And I can't imagine how difficult, how difficult it is for a family that goes into business and they end up you know, losing their life savings because of it. So your mom works for the biggest hospital in the UK. No way. And it's empty for months. What is your, what is oh, you said your missus. Okay, I thought you said your mom, your missus. So what does is, what is, uh, she do at the hospital? Because that's what my, my wife's in healthcare also. She's a doctor. And the hospitals now are not as full as they were at one point. I mean, it seems like things have definitely gotten better with COVID. Uh, my wife is not diagnosing as many people. The hospitals are not overflowing as much. But I'm just kind of wondering, you know, do you all think, are we overreacting? Should things be reopening a little bit more now? I mean, I guess I'm in the northeast of the U.S. I'm in Boston. And, you know, I know places like Texas and California are seeing spikes that we're not seeing anymore. You know, but in my opinion, I think, you know, it's got a 99.64 survival rate. And I know that every life is important. And if it was my wife that was sick, I would feel probably very differently. But I think at some point, the kids need to go back to school. My kids are going to be home again until January. God help me. I'm not sure how I'm going to do that, honestly. But my kids are going to be home till January. Um, you know, they're going to be homeschooling. I'm going to be doing my job remotely for another five months. So that probably means a lot more podcasts for me coming up as the weather turns cooler. But uh, yeah, so you got four too. Same way. My four kids need a routine. Here's one of them here. What time is it, young man? 9.13. You're just getting out of bed. Brandon, come say hi to everybody. Hello. I'll come a little closer to the microphone. Quick Hello. This is my youngest, Brandon. He is 11 years old. How you doing, bud? Good. He's getting a little bit closer so you can speak. Let me ask you. I get a bunch of people on listening. How are you feeling right now 
about being at home until January? Do you want to go back to school or do you want to stay home and continue to learn on the computer? I mean, I'm okay with it, but I also want to go back to school so I can. Why do you want? Better. Why do you want to go back to school? So I can learn better. You can learn better. Do you miss your friends? Yes. Oh, look, you got a hi, Brandon. Now, Caps is from uh, the UK, from England. Just said hello to you. And Brandon, I got some bad news for you, brother. What? I can smell your breath from here. Please go brush your teeth. You're killing me. Because <laughs> I was just hanging out with the dog. Did you sleep good last night? Yeah. Yeah, Caps. My mine are 17, 15. 13 and 11, right? You're 11. Is that how old you are? <laughs> All right. You go. Go get, get your breakfast. I'm going to say hello to you. Now you woke up. So, yeah, you know, having having kids is the greatest thing in the world. I got three boys and a girl. So, hey, if you want to hear a funny, a funny story about that, and uh, I know Dean and Joe, you'll appreciate this. I don't think I've told the story before, but who knows? I'm old. Maybe I did. But my daughter, now my wife's a doctor, as I've told you. My daughter wanted a younger sister, so we had um, – Matt, who's older, Caitlin, who's second, and then Ethan. Yeah, sure, Caps. So um, <laughs> my my wife did an ultrasound on herself, okay? And she was pretty positive it was a girl, okay? So <laughs> we, my, my, we told my daughter, we're having a girl. You're going to have a baby sister. She was all excited. So we brought her to the official ultrasound. Now, she was little at this point. I don't even know how old, probably three, four, five, whatever. So she goes to the ultrasound with us, okay? <laughs> and we're in the room, and they put the stuff on my wife's stomach, and they're rubbing that thing on her. And all of a sudden, the woman goes, all right, do you want to know what it is? And we're like, yep. So all of a sudden, the woman <laughs> types up on the screen, it's a boy. My daughter's face, she's a little blonde with light skin. Her face literally turned to the color of a tomato instantly. She starts screaming at the top of her lungs. No, 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 my God, not another brother. No, screaming. So everybody could hear her. Tears running down her face. So I took her out of the room and I said, all right, I guess we're leaving. So we, my wife and I had taken two separate cars. Hey, Onyx, welcome back. Talking Corner, welcome back, Cracks. I'm back for a, the first time in a long time. It feels good to be back. So anyway, I, I take my daughter down the hallway, still screaming, past the front desk. She's screaming, no, no, not another brother. I take her out the door. On the way out the door, there was a coat rack by the door. She grabbed the coat rack and wouldn't let go of it. I had to pry her hands off of it as she was screaming. Everybody in the waiting room was laughing. So I brought her out to my car, sat her in the back of the car. And she used to do this little thing when she was little, where she would stick her thumb in her mouth and twirl her hair when she was upset. So she was little. She's sitting in her car seat. But when she was little, she already talked like she was 20. It was kind of weird. She was like this little person that talked like an adult. So anyway, um, <laughs> I look back. She takes her thumb out of her mouth and she goes, Dad? I'm like, yes. She goes, when I get home, I need to go up to my room and have some private time. <laughs> so this poor thing was traumatized where she went three months thinking she was getting a baby sister. She ended up with a baby brother who happens to be Brandon, who's now dancing on the floor next to me in the kitchen. And uh, But she has, I think, accepted the fact that you're a brother now, don't you think so? Uh-huh. Yeah, Brandon sleeps with her every night, even though he's 11. And hopefully some of your friend's parents are hearing this so they can tell all their kids that you still sleep with your big sister. <laughs> but it was so funny. But she she's made peace with it over the years. But yeah, three boys and one girl. And I will say that when they were little, all right, 
I would fight with people and good naturedly, not really fighting, but I would argue my point to death that boys were harder than girls because boys break everything. They're jumping off of couches, landing on their heads, you know, jumping off of trampolines and just maniacs. And I remember having a few mothers tell me, okay, you think that now, wait till your daughter's a teenager. And I remember thinking to myself, no, 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 no. So all of a sudden I have a, you know, you get a teenage daughter, the drama kicks in, the emotions kick in, the fighting with the friends kicks in. Oh my God. <laughs> Daughters are brutal. Caps, I hear you, brother. I hear you, brother. I'm I'm 100% in the camp now that daughters are harder, harder to raise than boys. No doubt about it. Caps, if you want to call in, give me a shout. You said you wanted to call in. I'd be happy to have you on. If anybody else wants to call in, you know, call in. Dina, Joe, Eric, whoever. Call in. Let's get a little discussion going. Chat for a little bit because I am going to sign off before 10 o'clock Boston time so everyone can Hello. transition over to the old man show. Hey, Cash, what's up, Yo, man? How are you? How you doing, man? Yeah, can I just say something really quickly to you? Yeah, absolutely. So, so like, like I say, like, when, what I was talking about earlier about the uh, situation with parents and stuff, like, I've had to make a decision like, to be able to make sure that my kids then obviously put under scrutiny, you know? And it's a hard decision, but it's a, a wise one due to the fact that I've lived there for eight, well, 16 years, you know? So, and nothing changed when, at 10 years after, nothing changed when I bring my kids around, like, it, nothing changed. Like, so, it, it, you either learn or you put up, if you put up with it, you're actually you're 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 doing a you're doing a wrong one, you know, if you know what I mean. You're you, you're allowing someone else to have a massive influence, and they're a wrong one. You know, and you, what you've got to realise is that we, me, I watched my dad and my mum. My mum's brilliant. My, I'm not gonna lie, like she's had three jobs. My dad does does he had his jobs and that, and then he's fucked up. But point being, I don't want to go too deep. But what I want to let you know is that you, I learn from people's mistakes. I do. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I learn from people's mistakes as I've been young. I've got two older brothers. So what I've done is that I've realized of what you should do and what you shouldn't do. Now, we all know we all know the rules of life at the end of the day, even when we're children. I've seen it from my own children. But what I will get to the point of is that I couldn't put up with bringing my kids to see their nanny and granddad. And for arguments to, like you say, happen, and for the, the the nice thing, hello, nan, hello, granted, for it to be, it's completely irrelevant. There's, it's like there's no there's no concentration on my kids. So at the end of the day, no, I ain't having it. My mum always does, but my dad don't. So that's where my decision was. I ain't going there anymore, and I won't. But anyway, next one, boys and girls. Right, here we go. I've got a 12-year-old son, Ethan, uh, uh, my girl, Emily, 11. And I've got my daughter, another daughter that is 10. And now, she's i got to say this real quick. Now, it's funny. Now, my, third, my, my third's Ethan. If we had had a daughter that was our fourth, it was going to be Emily. Isn't that funny? So oh, my daughter, God. Was so... Emily if, we had a four, if we had a daughter that, that, before. Brilliant. No way. No way. We're quite, uh, we've got something in common. Them, man so, so, so yeah so my Ethan is an amazing child he's a really good kid like he's past all what he needs to do before this stuff and I got him like I get him what I get him like I don't overly do it with him you know I, I make him realize what you know anyway he knows I've always worked and whatnot point being anyway my boy first boy obviously good my I had my girl and my other girl so I had a three two one so I had a one-year-old then obviously the, the, when he became two I had another one-year-old when she became one, I had another girl. So within three years, I had three kids. 
So it was really hard, you know. I was changing nappies for five fucking years, but that's not a problem. Like where, like my dad wouldn't do stuff like that. Where me, that's where I learned, you know. Like my missus, I, I did moan about the girl, and I, yeah, I, I didn't. I, moan I about joke about that too. My, my kids are seventeen, fifteen, thirteen, and eleven. So I think by the yeah. end of my last kid, I could change a diaper with one hand. I was such a so good at right, it. Yeah, I could use the minimum amount of wipes. Yeah, I mean, I was I was a pro. I was pro, man. You know, I'm, I'm proper pro at changing uh, nappies. Do, do, I always call them nappies, but yeah, diapers. I like that nappy. So, like yeah, nappy. So so what happened anyway? So like you know, for three years it constant, and then two years after the the, the third one, like Lucy, uh, then we had Ewan, which is my youngest now, and he's seven now, and then I've got a ten year old, eleven year old, twelve year old. So point being is like. When they're all young, they're all pretty much the same. But I've got to be honest, my boys didn't moan as much as my girls. Yeah. But my boys were more loving when they were little children rather than the girls. But this is only for me. This is for me. Obviously, everyone's different. But as they've got older, and now, like you've said, 12, 11, 10, 7. So, so now, my boys, my youngest seven, he's boisterous because he's learning off the elders. But I've still got the respect and the, the you know the moral base, moral fibers and that. But like my 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 girl who's it's who's eleven, yeah, uh, like my boy is very like he'll say what he says, but my girl she will give it cheek. She's like she's growing up quicker than the boy, and then my 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 ten year old girl is growing up quicker than my eleven year old girl. How oh, mad's yeah. that? So like their their times are different, you know, in like growing growing, if you know what I mean. Let me ask you this question. Now, this is something I definitely noticed between yes. my boys and my girls. Now they grow quicker, girls do. Oh my god, emotionally. Well, in, in my car, this is all I need to see. When I ride around with my boys, they'll have their friends in the car. And my yes. boys talk about burping, farting, stupid things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. My my daughter would be in the car. With her, with her friends talking about book genres and things like that. And yes. for me, I'd be sitting there quietly driving the car going, honestly, how <laughs> have women not taken over the world completely already? No, but you see with me, I understand that fully. But my boy is learning Mandarin and fucking playing the uh, keyboard and he's playing like, piano songs on the keyboard. He's doing it all himself. I'm not really, I love singing, but I'm not really, um, music instruments is not really my forte, but right. my dad and my, my, my brother play the guitar, which I accuse sticky. I think they're amazing. Like, but I sing, I love singing, but not saying I'm any good. I just like it, you know? Yeah. So I like music. I like all genres, but the like, point being is like my son, he loves anime, he loves this, loves that. He's quite a quiet kid where my daughter's very like, she's very confident. And my other daughter, she can walk in a room and get on with in an empty in an empty room and she'd have friends if you know what i mean so <laughs> like, she's very very personable she is, yeah. yeah she's like me my daughter's my, my, my third kid is like me my youngest kid i'm still gauging him if you know what i mean i'm still yeah. like kind of grabbing him until realizing what's going on with him he's very uh outgoing but my daughter myself my eldest and my daughter this is the difference my eldest son and my daughter they're so different. You know, their personalities are so bloody different, which makes it hard because my daughter tries to be like my missus right. and my son be like me, which there ain't much difference, but my daughter's just got an attitude, man. <laughs> you know, isn't that true? Now, as, as you're a parent, you know, it's funny because before I was a parent, 
Yeah. I would have all these ideas as oh, to what, what type of father I would be, what my yes. kid would be. What I'm going to do. I, I, had, I had a guy once give me very good advice. He was a, an educator I used to work with. He was the director yes. of science for the whole okay. state of Connecticut in the U.S. Very smart guy. Do you I know what I do for a living? Do you know what yeah. I do for a living? Just what to let you know. I'm an engineer. I work for aerospace with MOD, Ministry of Defense. Oh, you do? I, I yeah. work for a science and STEM company and we wow. sell educational technology to schools. So that's what I do. So that's kind of funny. That's no brilliant. But, um, oh, dude, we are, yeah, we're going to, let's talk about that in a second, Alpha Mike. I want to get to that because I talked about it earlier and I want to touch this. The flu, the mandatory flu thing is killing me right now. So we'll talk about that in a second. But one thing, I, it, the, the one advice that he gave me was such good advice. If you're a young parent out there, this is something I always remembered. He said, children, when they're born, are already hardwired with their personalities, with the things they're going to like to do. You can try to force things on them, but really they're already hardwired with their personalities. The best thing you can do is try to guide them along in the things that they enjoy doing. Because if you if you have a kid that wants to go into music and you try to make them play football, it's not going to go well. And My son hates football. You're right. Like, I try to get him into football because I love football and he hates it. He's like, Dad, I prefer to play tennis. And you know the one thing I've always done, and I'm not going to lie, I, you know, my dad would be like, no, 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 no. Where with me, I will just blatantly let them do what they want to do. Right. Well, obviously, if it's wrong, it's different, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, if you, if you look at my four kids, my oh. oldest is an actor. My second, she writes books. She's written three novels on Wattpad already. And she actually oh. got, now, Dina Joe, I don't know if we told you this, if you're still here. We got a contract for Caitlin. Somebody wants to sign her. And now listen, listen to this. I, I didn't even plan on getting into this, but now listen to the idea of this book. The third book that she's writing right now, these are complete like three, 400 page novels that she's written on, on a Wattpad. She started at the age of 12. She's now 15. The latest book I think is amazing. It's called static. Okay. And the premise of the book is this young girl moves into an old Victorian house. All right. And she goes up into the attic, finds an old chest, opens the chest, there's an old VCR in there with videotapes. So she pulls out the VCR, plugs it in, puts in a videotape. And it's just a movie about the previous family at a birthday party. Kids are having fun, whatever. So she brings it down to her parents and goes, look at what I found upstairs. This is really cool. Puts in the tape. The parents can only see static. She's the only person that can see the video. So she's like, really? You can't see this? So the parents are like, no, what are you talking about? It's static. So she brings the VCR back up to the attic, goes up there every day to watch the videotapes. Every day, they get scarier and scarier and scarier until she starts seeing murders. She starts seeing you know kids being molested, starts seeing all these different strange things happening. And then her father goes away for a business trip. When her father comes home, he goes up to see her in the attic. All of a sudden, now he can see the videotapes where he never could before. So the twist eventually ends up being that in order to see the videos on the videotapes that are happening, you've had to do a horrible thing in your life. So I guess the girl who my daughter was writing about at one point bullied a girl on social media until she committed suicide. That's why she could see the tapes. Her father went away and had an affair on his business trip. So when he came home, he could see the tapes. So that's, I mean, that's a 15 year old girl writing this book. I thought it was just an amazing concept and a great idea. So she's writing that one on Wattpad right now. And uh, just very proud of her. I mean, that's something you know, I, I've tried you know to write what? before and I just can't do it. I'm not good at it, you know? You know, you know, with like experience like that, obviously she read the book because she, she had that life experience, yeah? I, I think maybe in, in, in some part, I think something, 
Yeah, I can't I can't get into talking about something, but we did just uncover something very recently that I can't talk about. But I so think- do you believe? Do you can I ask you a question? Yes. Do you believe that you should hide your kids away from the world that it is today, or do you think you should make them completely and utterly aware? You know that that is a really, really, really good question. That's a really good question because I actually, if they are I not aware, you're wrapping them up into cotton wool. Sorry to ask you a question, and then speak over. Yeah, sorry, I'll shut up. Oh no, go no, go right ahead. It's okay. I don't mind. Go ahead. Well, what it what it is is like with me. The way I see it is. If I hide them, like, because they're getting older, my youngest is seven, my eldest is uh, 12. Now, because of the conversation level that goes on with my elder three and then my younger, my younger don't really, you know, he's obviously compass mentor, so, but, it, you know, he doesn't understand what we're saying. But like, And most of the time he's not there if we're talking on a level. But the point is, is that like, you've got to, in my eyes, I'm not, this is an opinion, you know, opinions are like assholes. Everyone's got one. I understand that as well. <laughs> You know what I mean? But like, sorry to swear, but like, but the point is in my eyes that you, you can't wrap them up in cotton wool because it's like if a kid falls over or if something happens, you, you, you know, you don't want them looking at you and being unsure, you know, in the end, you've got to, you know, you're training them for us not to be here at the end of the day, you know? No, I, I agree with you completely. Now, how old are you, Caps? I'm 34. Okay, you're, you're younger than I am. I'm an older guy. I got married at 33, so I'm, oh, okay. 50, I'm, I'm 52 now. I grew well, up good in a different you. generation. You got a good. You got a good. Uh, got a good for being 53. If you don't mind me saying, you've yeah. got a good out the way you think and your pro, thought process and your, your your literal answers and questions sound really. I ain't trying to patronise you in any way, shape, or form, but you you sound like you're upbeat 50 year old rather than some that are very strong, like they're very stuck in their own ways, uh, ways oh, yeah. if you... Now, the, the only problem I have with your comment is you said I'm 53. I'm only 52, so don't put another year on me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm <so laughs> no, no, but I, I, agree, I, agree, no, I agree with you 100%. My point was in saying that I'm older, I grew up in a little bit different time where, you know, as a kid, my parents would tell me, get on your bike and go play. And I'd be gone all day until it was nighttime. So I was out doing my own thing. I was independent. I wasn't... I didn't have mom and dad on top of me all the time. I think when I was a kid, it was a lot more of free range parenting. So I grew up in a time where, you know, I, I lived my life. I was out doing things and I got in trouble and my parents didn't know about it. I was hoping, you know, nobody would call me and whatever. But um, so, yeah, you know, for me, um, I did. I do agree that you cannot completely protect your children. You have to prepare them from life. There's no doubt about that because this life, as you all know, this life, you know, I don't know if any of you saw the movie Rocky Balboa, the last one. Not a great movie, but he gave the best speech I have ever seen in the history of speeches to his son in that movie where he talks about, you know, life will beat you down to your knees and it'll keep you there if you let it. But you need to stand up and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done and that's how life is accomplished. And it's so true where you have to teach your children and sometimes you have to be tough on them. You have to teach them to be ready to take on life when you get out there because if you if you create this world where everything's perfect and everything's easy and everything's handed to them, when they get out into the real world and they're against people that have struggled their whole life, they're not going to be prepared. So, you know, for us, I mean, we're, we're very fortunate as a family. We're financially, we're in good shape. You know, we make good money. We have a nice house, but we make our kids work their asses off for things. They are not yes, given everything yes. on a silver platter you because you can't you do that. Spoil them. If you spoil them, they expect it. If you, if you expect everything then you you're not making them realize the whole like point of working work ethnic you know what i mean you know like if they think they can sit on their ass and put a plate in front of their lap 
and let like, loads of stuff come on it for nothing. That's it. Alpha you know, Mike, like, even, that's it. Even more. How hard you can get it and moving forward. I love that damn speech. Yeah, if you true, haven't seen true. that speech, look it up on YouTube. It's a great speech. No, but you know, like my kid, you know, like like we weren't allowed to do nothing in the kitchen, for example, yeah. So, so like with my kids, they cook, they cook egg with a frying pan, they cook, they cook toast, like you know, make toast, not with a toaster, with a grill. They they know how to cook, and they've known how to cook since probably the age of six, seven, and that might to you seem scary, but like because we're always like my missus always cooking, always cooking. So, like, do you believe that it's a good idea to teach them them real good fundamentals now rather than, like me, I didn't get taught. I would just sat in the living room and waited for my food to come to me. Where with me, I kind of say to my son, it's not because I'm lazy. It's more, yeah, do you want me to show you how to make a cup of tea, for example? Or do you want no. me to show you, you know, do you agree with that or no? Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. In, in my house, my kids make their own breakfast. Sometimes yes. they make their own dinner. They fold yes. their own laundry. They early clean their age, own room. though, early yeah. age, because, you know, early age, though, not not when they're 10 to 12. I mean when they're early age, like, because it's all about knowing, like, you know, my, my, my brother's kid burnt his two hands on an oven yeah. because he had no knowledge that that was hot. But right. with me... I always, I, you know me, instead of like my dad used to punch me in the head or punch my brothers in the head if we'd done something wrong and then we'd just scurry away and that's it. Where we didn't really know, he'd never properly explained to us, you know, but if he explained to us, this is where he's wrong made me realize that that's my right. So what I did with my kids, like, I don't believe in hitting my kid, like, I, I'll just tell you straight, I just don't know like, because I got it all my life, you know, and it, it, I'm still a good person. So I'm not going to knock it, but like, all my brothers have all got their own businesses. I'm, we've all got good jobs, you know, we've all got a family, we've all got a house, we're all okay. But what I'm trying to say is, is that like, you learn from other people, you know, like, I think to myself, I don't get on with my dad. I don't want my children looking at me and hating on me, even though I've, I'm good in general. Uh, you know, as I've got older, I've realized what's right and wrong and what you should or shouldn't do. But I want my kids to actually love me. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Of course, I, I of want course. them to love me, but like, I, I love my dad, but I don't like him. Do you know what I mean? Well, let me let me let me give you a little example. It's now, a mad one. It's a mad this one. Is, this, is, this is something that happened last weekend. All right. And I'm, I'm the same way for me. I want my kids to love me, but they also need to learn. So my, my son, Ethan, yeah. is a very, yeah. very oh, good man. I love your son's name because it's my first name. Right. Yeah, well, name. I'm a tra I train people in work. So, yeah, I'm all about t teaching. Just <laughs> well, you'll, you'll like the story. Else. So Ethan is, is, is a very good baseball player. Very good. And he's one. He's the best play baseball I mean, player in town. Carry on, carry on. Go on. He's very, very talented. So he plays on he a travel team, week. an AAU travel baseball team. So last weekend – his team was undefeated and they were playing another yes. undefeated team to win their league championship to move on to the playoffs. So he had a good game. He had a couple of hits in the game. Now he, I don't know how much you know about baseball, but he got up in the last, in the last inning and he hit a long fly ball to left field in baseball. There was a man on third base. You stay on the base. They call it tagging up. And once the ball is caught, the runner on third base can then run home and they would have won the game if that had happened. So they, they were tied 3-3. Three to three. He hit a long fly ball. The guy caught the ball, but the base runner forgot to tag up. He ran towards home plate, and they, they ended up getting him out at third base, and they ended up tying the game. So my son threw a huge tantrum, screaming at the top of his lungs, 
I did what I was supposed to do. He cost the game. He went into the, the team's dugout. He threw his bat, threw his helmet, was hitting the walls, was screaming. So I walked into the dugout. I mean, you don't normally do this. This was the, the game was over. I walked into the dugout and I said to him, I was like, hey, you stop it right now. You get your stuff in your bag, shut your mouth. You're embarrassing yes. yourself and yes. you're embarrassing your family. Deal with Let's it. go. So I brought yes. him to my car. He didn't say a word. I put the, tr- the stuff in his in the trunk. We got in the car. We had an hour and minute, 20 minute drive home. We did not Brilliant. speak one word on the no. way. Home. Oh, no. Not oh, one no. Word. No, it's okay. But, you know, I, I, I didn't want to yell at him. I, I knew he was emotional. So I didn't want mm. him to yell back at me. Yeah. We yeah, drove an yeah. hour and 20 minutes home. And I said, when we get oh. home, when we, when we pulled in the driveway, I said, when you get into the house, take a shower and go to your room. We'll talk to you later. Yeah. Yeah. So fair play. Cool down. You know what? You're a good man. You're a good man, to be honest. I understand fully what you're saying. You're a yeah. good so, man. Well, we, we, we got him downstairs finally. And we said, mm. how do you feel about what you did? And he goes, I yes. don't feel good. And I was like, listen to me. You're a good baseball player. However, that is not how you act with your team. And if anybody yes. was here watching that game, like a scout for college or scout for professional, they'll look yeah. at you and say, you're a great ball player, but you have a two-cent head, and they wouldn't yeah. touch you with a 10-foot pole. Yeah, you're so a liability. Said, yeah. yeah. So what I said to him at that point is, we're getting on the phone. You're going to call each one of your coaches, and you're going to personally apologize for the way you behaved. So he Good got on, on the you. phone. He called each of his three coaches. He apologized for the way he behaved. And then after that, we told him, listen, we love you. We forgive you. We know you lost your temper. If it happens again, we're going to pull you off the team. Yeah. So, because, you know, you can't, you're like, if you lose, you're right. Come on. Sorry. Sorry. Come on. Come on. Hold on. I see Eric calling in. There we go. No, I'm done. Go ahead. That was it. No, hey, but Eric, you know what? Um, um, you, mu- you must have not been paying attention to the screen, but, fi- but finally you-, you took my call. <laughs> How's it going? You know what it is? I, for whatever reason, I have this bad habit. I look at my microphone when I talk, and I don't look at the screen. I don't know why. Maybe it distracts me. So I didn't see you. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> so I'm glad, I'm glad I finally got you. How you doing, Eric? Yeah. Good? I'm doing good. I'm fixing a pot of coffee right now. I mean, I just got in a quick shower, so I couldn't call. No, no, worries, so, no you know, I haven't talked to you in a while because I haven't been around. So give me a little update. What have you been up to? How's your life going? How's trivia? Well, what have you been up to? Well, we had a first place win at trivia this week, but next week um, the the trivia game at the Mexican restaurant I go to will, you know, will be on hiatus because the MCs have a planned trip to Panama City, Florida. Okay. Where you been? Where you been? Where you been? I mean. I mean, I, I still go into some Podbean shows, but I haven't been frequenting too many other Podbean what? shows like I used to. If you don't mind me asking, if you don't mind me asking, what? What's that? Why, if you don't mind me asking? Because normally I'd always see you, and I haven't seen you for a long, long time. Uh, I mean, I, I think I've been more committed to a couple other Podbean shows, but I hadn't forgotten about a, a, other people that no, I haven't no, been no, able no. to frequent lately. I just I hope you're okay. That's all. The only reason I'm asking I'm, is because I hope you're well. Well, okay, well, I know. Of, there's like, been a lot of people. There's been a lot of people that have had mishaps, and even myself and a couple of other people who have actually had health problems. So, you know, uh, like, I just hope that anyone who I don't see for a little while, I just I kind of have a little bit of a heart for them. You know. Uh huh. Well, I mean, I still do the chit-chat with the old man in the morning and slightly serious at night. Um, 
And of course, I know the old man, he'll, and Dina Joe, and yours truly will be on in a, under 20 minutes, of course. Oh, okay. Yep. And like, um, like I said to everybody, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure all of you know that show. I'm going to be signing off before that show happens so everybody yeah. can switch over to the old what man show. That, show. Uh, Hopefully, the people John. that I do have here will jump over. It's, it's called show. The Old Man Show with Dina Joe. Very oh, good yeah, show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I like the old man. Old man and Dina are brilliant. They're really nice, yep. yeah. Yep, very good show. Yeah. So, Eric, yeah. you won first place in the trivia contest. That must have felt good. Congrats. Yes. Um, well, I mean, well, and I still like going to, to a couple other shows. Like, I know at noon um, it'll probably either be the option of crosstalk with, with yours truly, Mr. Impact, or Dreadnought 928, which he's been coming on two and three days a week now. You know, the old man's son. Oh, no, who's this? That's the old man's son? What show's this? Yeah, Rich. Um, the, the Dreadnought 928 podcast. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that was his son. Um, That's he, cool. I'll have to listen to that. Well, he, well, he just came came back from his hiatus, but but we're glad to have him back. Yeah, I'm kind of happy today. You know, I, I almost did a show the other day. And, you know, Eric, it was funny. I was explaining this to everybody. The problem I was having is I would schedule a show because I felt like doing it. And then when it came time to do the show, I didn't want to do it anymore. So then I deleted. So today I woke up and I was like, you know what? I really feel like doing a show right now. So I logged on and <laughs> did a show and I've been on for two hours now. I've been having a good time. And honestly, it feels really good to be back. Mm -hmm. I think for me, I did 104 shows in like four months and it was just too many. I burnt myself out. I wasn't having fun. And then, you know, there was some drama I got involved in. It was probably as much my fault as anybody else's. But I'm kind of happy just to be back. And it was funny. I, I think I needed to figure out what I wanted to do for my show. I think I enjoy these type of shows more than anything else where we just kind of freestyle. Like I did a couple of the sex podcasts because I kind of wanted to be like Howard Stern. And I'm not sure if that's what I want to do or not. And then I did some of the serious shows, you know, the interview with Pamela Smart, then also the Circle of Hope Ranch. And I found that those took a real emotional toll on me. I didn't expect that to happen, but it really bothered me, you know, down to the core. And I was very happy for those of you that don't know, you know, I did that show, um, Circle of Hope Ranch. DCF went in and they took all 40 girls out of the, out of the ranch. My show ended up going viral in Missouri. People were sharing it all over Facebook in the state of Missouri. So apparently it came across the right person. DCF went in and took all the girls out of there that had been abused. So I feel really good that that happened. But I don't know. I mean, I, I may do those type of shows sparingly, but I don't know if I'm going to do them as much. It's just for me, it took an emotional toll. And I kind of like this as being kind of a fun thing that I look forward to as opposed to something that's really heavy and, you know, hard to think about, if that makes sense, you know. So I've been kind right. of going through a lot of different – I really – today I really enjoyed this. It's been good getting on, uh, just kind of chatting with everybody, talking about different things. Now, Eric, you weren't on early, and I'm going to go – for probably like another 10 minutes. I'll get off just before yeah. Joe and old man. Stuff. You guys can get ready. But now, Eric, I threw out a bunch of things earlier. I'm kind of curious as to what you think about these. One of the things is COVID. Are we exaggerating? Hey, it's been a pleasure to have you in caps. COVID, are we exaggerating? Masks, do they help? You know, schools, should they be open or closed? You know, how'd you feel about Joe Biden and Camille Harris? Do you think they have a chance of beating mm -hmm. Trump? Um, and then, you know, the, the one thing, someone mentioned this earlier. I'm not sure if you're still here. It might have been Alpha Mike. One of the things that just happened in Massachusetts is the governor of Massachusetts, who's supposedly Republican, just made it mandatory for all K through 12 students that they have to get a flu shot. It's no longer optional. So now in order to go to school, you have to have a flu shot before December. I mean, to me, I understand 
the thought process behind it. I mean, you're looking to you know keep the population yo, safe. Yo, yo, can I, can I, yeah, turn, turn your third exit on here. Yo, John, can I just say something before I go? Oh, yeah, Listen go for to it. me sure. now. I'll wanna, I'm going to go in a minute. I've got to go shopping now. I'm in a taxi. Now, I'm telling you now, man. You know, if you make anything mandatory, you are taking away your fucking human rights, man. This is bang right. out of order. This is something that they want. You've got microscopic trackers and everything. You know what? Like, the conspiracy theorologist, whatever. Yeah, just park in front of this car, mate. And uh, all I'm saying is, before I go, is I think it's bang out of order. I think it's bang out of order. And, like, that's my opinion. I think at the end of the day, like, a flu shot, do you know that, you know, we, we, in England, you know the flu jab? Do you know the flu jab? That a majority over 50s take, yeah? Right, yes. Yep. Yeah? Now, that, when people, they already done a study on it, and when they, when, give me two seconds, mate. Uh, when they, when they, uh, when they, when they looked at it, they said the majority of people who have had the flu jab are more susceptible to the virus. Did you know that? Well, look true. it up. I, I believe it. Look it I believe up. It. And so what you're going to do, you're going to feed people a jab that makes you more susceptible to it. Are you fucking mad? But that's just my opinion. <laughs> but look well, it know, up. I did, I did some research on the, on the shot or the jab that we get in the U.S. And basically the success rate or the effectiveness rate of that shot ranges anywhere from 18% up to 50%. That's so for nothing. me, it's nothing, right? So for me, how can you make it mandatory and take away human rights yeah, yeah. You know, by, by, by making this? But, you know, Massachusetts, Boston is like California, very liberal, very, very democratic. I grew Either up in way, your human rights are your human rights, right. and I think it's disgusting. At the end of the day, like, it's like me saying, oh, I'm going to go to work, and my job says, uh, my, work, my, my, my manager goes, you have to take a jab in order to work. I'll be like, why do I? What do you mean? I have to? Do you know what I mean? It's yep. bang out of order. Look, I'm gonna love and leave you. I've got to go because I'm gonna get home now. But uh, I'm glad to have you come on. Anyway, come right. back. I'll be back no, on again. So make sure you come back. I hope you do, and I'm gonna be on later as well. So honestly, I really, really enjoyed this show. To be fair, so uh, what, what seriously, do don't go what, anywhere. What, what, what I'll be in. I'll be on in about two hours, uh, an okay. hour and a half, if that. About an hour, not even an hour. I'll be yeah, on. I've got kind of a, a, like a day off from work today, so I'll probably tune into a few shows today and listen. So I'll try to no tune into yours as well. Well, because awesome I know, because yeah. I know, old man's on. I'll, I'll jump into theirs as well. So, well, anyway, I'll love and leave you. I'll see you soon. See you. Well, well I'm also hoping. Um, I'm also hoping I can convince Roxanne to come on to her old man's show here in a bit. Now, how's Roxanne doing? How's how's she doing? Everything going well with her? I mean, I hope she's doing good. We hadn't seen her in a few days. Um, but but I know the old man and Dina have one, wondered about her. Um, um, I don't know, and I think Crax has also wondered about her too. And yeah. but. Hopefully she's doing all right. Yeah, I saw cracks in her a little bit while ago. It was good to see her again also. I'd like to get into her show as well. But let, let me ask you, Eric. So what, what do you think about mandatory flu shots? I mean, how does that affect you? To me, I think it takes away your um, human uh, rights. You know, you know th th I agree, agree with that sentiment. Um, it, it just seems – and we talked about this on the VOP USA radio show last night that, you know, I think I missed making you. those I flu shots and stuff. I got on that show. I think yeah. I was on after you were off. Well, maybe I saw you on that. I, I mean, I, I stayed there the whole time. Um, okay. I wound up like call, calling in to like to like voice my concerns that you know that may, making like those flu flu shots mandatory for K through twelve students and um, and then that proposed like COVID vaccine that they're still coming up with, like making it mandatory. Just it, it's, it's just like just like a, another sign of communism. Exactly. Right. Exactly. I mean, I get it. They you know, and, um, and me and slightly have oftentimes 
discussed on his show that, you know, that, you know, Biden would have probably had a more realistic chance had he went with Michelle Obama and not Kamala Harris. But Absolutely. but by picking Kamala Harris, he bought Biden and the Dems just basically shot themselves in the foot. She's far too left. She's kind of a you know left wing and she's going to lose all the moderate independents that maybe would have gone to Biden if you'd had a more centrist candidate, I think. Well, but I, I know Donald Trump may not be, be, be a perfect person, like in, in terms of being like of, of a human being, but, but I've, I've even had discussions, including one discussion with a personal friend of mine who lives about 20 minutes from me, who, who of course basically says that, that Donald Trump looks to be the lesser of the two evils because he's, you know, way, way more concerned and worried about what a, a Biden presidency would look like. I agree. I mean, and again, you know, I, I'd like to know. Now, this is a serious question. I'm sure there's some people out there that don't like Trump. And if you know me, that's okay. I'm not going to rip into you if you don't like Trump. It's cool. All right. I don't rip into people for stuff like that. But what I, what I would like to know is what would it look like? Now, imagine over the last four years, if the Democrats haven't been after Trump from day one of his presidency. Imagine if the Democrats had tried to work with him a little bit and maybe didn't go Russia investigation, impeachment. I mean, one thing after another, looking to undermine his presidency. We may be in a different place right now. And now that could be a two-way street because I think the Republicans have done the same thing to the Democrats over the years. When you get a Democrat well, office, I mean, Obama was the same thing. The Republicans were all over him. It's unfortunate that we're at a point well, in this um, world or this country where we are allowing the powerful people to divide and conquer us as a people. It's Democrat or Republican, black or white, man or woman, abortion, not abortion, death penalty, not death penalty, gay, not gay. You know, should, should there be separate bathrooms, yes or no? For whatever reason, we have got these powerful people that are dividing and conquering us any chance they get. And just imagine what our country could be like if black and white came together, gay and non-gay came together, you know, Democrat and Republican right. came together and worked together. Imagine what we could accomplish as a country. And I mean, if you know, no matter no matter what happens in November, if Trump wins, the assault on Trump is going to continue. If Biden wins, the assault on Biden is going to start. He has dementia. Camilla Harris is a hoe. You know <laughs> all this stuff. So, but and then, um. Yeah, we're almost running out of time because you guys are on in eight minutes. Yeah. So I'm going to wrap this up very shortly. Well, I will. I will, of course, say this. Um, you know about how you know, you know that that how people, how like the media and the Dems have been so, um, you know, st steadfast against Trump. Um, perhaps it hasn't occurred to them that the the more that they're so against Trump, that we the people are just going to want Trump even more now, whether whether we like like the guy or not. Right. That's kind of um, what it is. It's like we're being defiant because the more they go after him, the more we want him in, you know, to, mm -hmm. to do that. But let me, um, let me ask you a question before we get off, because you guys have your show in five minutes. I want to ask, mm -hmm. what did you think about AOC endorsing Bernie Sanders? <laughs> Biden must have that, 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 that doesn't surprise me. Um, you know, and I think my friend Susan, who I see at Trivia, I, th I think that sums AOC at best, like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ought to be called lack of a cortex because she ain't using her brain. Lack of a cortex. I like that. <laughs> That's cool. Well, um, but ho hopefully I can count on friends to 
you know, tuning into your show today to jump over to chit chat with the old man here in, in about six minutes. Um, and hopefully at noon, show their support to the Crosstalk podcast with good friends, yours truly, and Mr. Impact, or and as well as Dreadnought 928, depending on if he's going going live today or unless he decides to, to delay it for an hour. All right, hey, so listen, I'm, I'm going to sign off so everyone can get over And to, I'll be back later for slightly. Slightly. Well, I'm going to get off now so everyone can head over to the Old Man Podcast. But listen, I got to tell all of you, thank you for coming back. I really enjoyed being on today. This felt good today. So I'm probably not going to be scheduling shows for a little while. I'm just going to, you know, kind of when I feel like coming on, I'm going to do a, an impromptu show and join. And hopefully I'll get back to a regular schedule. But today feel, felt really good. So I love all of you. Eric, thank you. Caps, thank you. Dina Joe, everyone that came in, I love all of you. And uh, I'll be back soon. So I'll, I'll be on yes. today. So take care. Thanks, Eric, for calling in, buddy. Love right. you. Show your support for VOP and others. Good night and goodbye.